The following views expressed are those of the speakers and do not represent the views of DOD or its components. Pay attention because you are now listening to Permission to Speak Freely. 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 What's going on out there, world? Oh, shit. Hey, hey, man, we finna get right into this, man, because I'm here to tell you that... um, so I, I listened to Dean last podcast, man. The last one you did with Ty Giles. Ty Giles. I know Ty Giles. Ty Giles, my dude, man. Right? Yeah. So I know him from Hawaii, though, man. He was a, he was actually an NC. Yeah, I was in Hawaii um, same time, bro. Mass Chief. Yeah, from twelve, I think twelve to fifteen. Yeah, I was he there stayed 14, right down 18. the street from me. Yeah, yeah, he stayed right down the street from me, and um, I know him from the very. I probably saw you before too, there, because I saw him from the various. Like you know, every time we have like you know, um. The season, mm-hmm. we all kind of like got together and talked and did all that stuff. So I probably saw you also, man. But 100%. um, man, you guys got this story. You guys was talking about um grandparents and old people <laughs> raising us and stuff, man. I was look, and I was the same way. Yeah, in the beginning, coming up, man, man, that shit was so related. I was, I was like, damn, dude, yeah. that's just shit. Because grandparents, they, they ain't mess around, bro. Listen, bro, and and what I guys, told Ty, man, like, so I might as well have been raised by my grandparents because my dad, man, was forty eight when. You know, like I said on my podcast, like I was the baby of the second family. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm mm-hmm. writing a book right now. And one of the things I put in there is like it's debatable whether I was wanted or not. Um, I ain't trying to hurt my mom's feelings or anything. Like it's just the truth. Like I think they were yeah. probably like, oh, shit, we have another kid. And uh, and so like my dad was 48 when they had me. And so like it, I basically was raised by my grandparents, by my dad. Right. And so yeah, what, yeah. what we talked about was and and. I, you know, this is the real the real deal, man. Like anybody that's raised by somebody that's probably two generations ahead. So like your grandparents or somebody that's that old. Man, you just got a different perspective on things because they had real hardship. They had real want. Right. They couldn't go to Walmart. Yeah. Like I talked about, you know, I remember my dad. He showed me, man, like legit. When my dad was a kid, he was behind a fucking plow behind a mule. Hmm. Not on a tractor. That's crazy. Right? Plowing fields. That's crazy. Right? We don't know nothing about that, man. And so when we have parents that are old like that and they tell us, like, go do some shit because it's, you know, why are you complaining? You got to look at where they're coming from. Right? And Ty was talking about, you know, slaughtering pigs and shit. Like, yeah, I've been there. I know exactly what that's about. You from Mississippi, Uh, you know? You know what I'm saying? So, yes. Yes. Anyways, yeah. Crazy. Man, it's good to be here. What's up, y'all? Y'all finally have me on your mm. podcast. I'll be damned. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, um, for me, I like to like watch. You know, I like to watch shit. So I like to watch people start off episode mm-hmm. one. You know, watch episode one. Motherfucker drunk as hell. You know what I'm saying? Couple episodes in, you know, the growth, the process. You know what I mean? So me, I like to watch it. I like to sit back, watch people grow, get better. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about it all. But um, uh-huh. and then I was like, yo, let's let's meet here when we have something to really, really, really kind of talk about. You know, so many people yeah. that I talk to all the time, that's like, hey, um, let's go, let's do the pot. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. like. Let's let me do the pod. Let you do whatever it is you do. Mm-hmm. And when we get to a point that we're gonna have a really good conversation, let's go. And I think the conversation that we're about to have with you yeah. is about to be like good because yeah. it's you got a lot. You got a lot. You got a lot going on yeah, right now. Man, it's about to be lit. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so let's let's real quick kind of uh, tell her to take uh, just like the uh, brass uh, tax on you yeah. so that the listeners know, the listeners know who we talking about and then we're going to get right to it. Yeah, man. Yeah. So Dean Howell, uh, I'm Navy Command Master Chief. Been doing it now about 22 years. I'm a baby. Um, I actually hit 22 in July this year and I'm on my fourth CMC ride. So um, if we're talking about Navy stuff. Hey, man, I made chief at seven, made senior chief at 12, made master chief at 15, and uh, put in for the CMC program, you know, soon thereafter. And Hawaii is when I got picked up, actually. Yeah. The Navy thing we can talk about for ages, right? I, I, I grew up as a, a PS in the Navy. I was colorblind. Well, I, I was. I am colorblind. And so when I went to the recruiting station at 21, I'd been in college for three years. And my homeboy, Matt Frugier, y'all might have seen him on a couple of my episodes. He drove me down the recruiting yeah. station, man, and they gave me a practice ASVAB, and you should have seen BM2's fucking look on his eyes. like, oh, shit, we got one, right? I cut a 92 on the ASVAB. I, I could have done anything if I wasn't colorblind. Um, super athletic, man. I, I, I could pass the PST no problem back then. And, but man, like, you know, I talked to the SWIT guys. They're like, wait, you're colorblind? They're like, take your ass back to your ship. So yeah. <laughs> I was an admin bitch, um, but I was an admin bitch that, you know, did, you know, ship self-defense force. Uh, I sat surface in combat on Fitzgerald as a, as a senior chief, as a PS senior chief. I, um, you know, went to boarding officer school down in Mayport, actually, uh, when I was a, when I was a chief on Fitz. And so like, I didn't let being an admin weenie, like stop me. Right. D set. I mean, I was, shit, I was our D-set leader for a while because I had a sorry-ass DCC on the ship. Oh, shit, sorry, mm. did I say that? You know what I'm saying? As a PSC, yeah. right? So um, from the Navy perspective, man, I, I, it's been a great journey, and it's not done yet. I'm still loving it. Uh, right now, I'm the CMC at SRF, JRMC. Got about 50 chiefs uh, at Yokosuka, and I got about 12 down in Sasebo, and then we're opening up a Singapore detachment here pretty soon, which is pretty cool. I mean, uh, mm. I got to go check on the detachment, you know what I'm saying? So I ain't complaining. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. you know, from a life perspective, born, raised, Winfield, Louisiana, it's a little bitty ass town in central Louisiana. If you don't know where that is, most people know where Shreveport is and they know where Monroe is. And if you were to yeah. draw basically a triangle down to the middle of Louisiana, that's where Winfield is. We're about 40 miles north of Alexandria. So grew up there. Uh, both parents were teachers, poor as hell. Um, and then my parents split when I was like 14. So eighth grade year, moved to Texas and then did high school in Texas and then did about three years of college in Texas at Lamar University. And then at, at some point, about three years into college, that's when I was like, yo, dude, I got to do something different because I, I didn't want to get stuck in Beaumont. It was the best decision I ever made. It allowed me to meet my beautiful wife, mommy. We've been married 20 years this year. Uh, in June of this year, it'll be yeah. 20 years. I'm a girl dad. I got three beautiful daughters. My oldest is 19. She's in Texas going to college. I've got a sophomore and then I've got an eighth grader. So Millie, Hazel, Elizabeth, all beautiful, athletic, talented. They sing, they dance. They can start a road show themselves. I, I'm, try, I'm encouraging my two younger ones to start a YouTube channel, honestly, because just I watch them bantering. And I'm like, man, y'all need to record some of this shit. Like for real, like y'all yeah. can make a million dollars way quicker than your fucking dad. Right. So, um, yeah, man, that's me. You know, as far as like, um, what do I, what do I love? I love being physically active, man. 
I, I definitely am and kind of resurging after a, a long period of kind of beating myself up um, after a, a pretty serious Achilles injury. And I, I'd say in the last you know couple of years, I'm really kind of resurging, getting back to myself, uh, being real fit. I like doing big shit. I like doing adventure shit. I'm going to walk from Tokyo to Osaka in May. That's about 300 miles, about a 12 day, you know, trip. I just like doing wild shit, man. So, and I think that I'll cap it with this. There's, there's, I think a lot of us, you know, we look at like, Hey, I'm in the Navy, so I can't do X. Well, you can do both, man. And I think that more people are discovering that you can do both. You can have a podcast and be in the Navy. You can go do adventure shit and have a YouTube channel and be in the Navy, right? Those things align. It's not like they're mutually exclusive from one another. And I think that we are setting that example for a lot of people. So it's, it's really kind of cool, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, Damon, uh, Dean was one of the people that like caught me on a live, man. Rapid, man. Dean was one of the right. Dean, oh, you got it. Dean was on a live, man. <laughs> hey. I was out for my walk too, man. I was out for my walk. I do a 45 minute outdoor walk every day. You know, I'm cruising, whatever. I was like, oh shit. I wonder what PTS, you know, permission to speak freely. What they doing the live shit or something? I fucking open that shit. Yo, Damo's fucking going, bro. I mean, he's going, going. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And I knew that you flew or like that you had a flow, right? Like, I've seen a couple yeah. little snippets here and there. Yeah. But, bro, like, he was going like for five minutes. And I was like, I'm like walking down the street, bobbing my head, right? Yeah. And then, hey, bro. It, hey, and then he knew he was caught. I could see his yeah. eyes. Not <laughs> he knew he was caught. Yeah, I was like, hey, hey, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. All right, bro, I'm out. Yeah, that's what's like, oh, shit, what's up? It was. It's crazy because as I was like rapping, followers were. I, I didn't see the comments. I'm sure some were positive, some were negative. But as I was rapping. I was getting followers like the whole time. It was like such and such subscribe, such and such followed you, such and such followed you, such and so that's yeah. all I saw. And then when it was over and I looked down, I saw you in there and some other people. I think you made a comment and some other people I knew, you know, they were, you know, making comments. So I'm like, oh, man, you know what I'm saying? Then I was like, damn, I, I tried to moonlight, do something <laughs> fun on the side. I'm like, oh, people actually, I honestly didn't know, you know, we're going to talk about engagement later, but I did not know anybody well, I didn't know that they would even advertise this on my um, Instagram. I just, I didn't know uh-huh. that. Like, so uh-huh. I learned, I learned, I learned my lesson, man. You know what I'm saying? Hey, 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 hey listen, D, let me tell you. Lean though, into D, that shit. Hey, that shit was fire. Hey, yeah, bro. I'll leave it at that. Hey, Dean. What's up? He Thank be you. trying to hide this shit. I know this dude can flow, man. Like, I look, What's the I heard a whole lot more shit. You know what I mean? That he got it and what he done wrote and all that type of stuff. Super, super freaking talented. You know what I mean? Like, man. It's, it's crazy, bro. I didn't, I didn't hurt a lot, man. So he, he's crazy. I'm just talented, saying, man. like, I encourage anybody that's got a talent, man. It, it, I, I talked about this with, uh, her name's Little. She runs like a, a little bit of life podcast. And the one, one of the things we're talking about is mental health in the, in the military, right? It's a hot yeah. button topic, right? We just got the Hi. mental health playbook, right? Okay. So one of the facets of mental health is being your authentic self. Right. And yeah, I'll tell you, man, like, I think that one of the problems we have is that people feel repressed. They feel yeah, like they can't be yeah. the, their authentic self. And so like, yeah. if you got a talent, man, if you can flow, if you can, t- you can dance, you can play an instrument, whatever. Like, why is that contrary to good order and discipline? 
It ain't. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and for me, yeah. yeah, for me, it's something that I always did, like even being in the Navy. Um, I just, and I'm still doing it now and I plan on like leaning in more, but um, I got older. Um, I got more sophisticated. The content has changed mm. Um, mm. and stuff like that. So even like whatever I was doing when you were watching, that was very old, but it was something I, I remember. I don't remember none of the shit now because we busy. Yeah. I got the podcast, we doing whatever. But the content yeah. changed and I do have intentions to have some stuff. But I got a question about you because you talked about recruiter um, mm-hmm. and you, you were recruited by Harvard, right? I was, bro. So... <sighs> This is fun to talk about because this really brings me back to like old school Dean, right? So yeah, fuck it. It sounds like I'm bragging <laughs> when I say it, but fuck it. Like people want to know, it. right? So let's talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Like let's, let's um, do it, bro. So everybody knows that Southeast Texas specifically is a hotbed of high school football. It's ridiculous. Like you can't mm-hmm. really understand this shit. And so I graduated from Vider High School. Go ahead, look it up. Uh, Vider gets a lot of bad press for a lot of reasons, right? Let's just say it's not a very diverse place. And I, so I yeah. went from a super diverse background to like basically an all white school, right? And mm-hmm. so that's a whole other story that kind of fucked me up. I was like, y'all motherfuckers are lame as shit, right? But I got there and my junior year, uh, I ran a legit 4440, um, like clocked. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, with, with the laser type shit. And I was about 5'11", 185. I played free safety and wide receiver my junior year. And then my senior year, we ran an option offense. And I was slated to be the quarterback in an option offense, which basically is like a running back. You know what I'm saying? We don't pass the ball. Yeah. And so between my junior and senior year, I broke my fucking hand, right? And so I got moved yeah. from quarterback to tailback. And so I played tailback my, my my senior year. So like they used to call me, they, they used to fuck with me, coaches. They used to say I run like Eric Dickerson and shit. Cause I was five eleven, man. I was five eleven, one eighty five. I've got kind of a lean frame, but uh, but I was fast as fuck, right? And yeah, so I got recruited by Kansas State. I got recruited by Arkansas. Actually, back then the Head coach of Arkansas, he 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 wrote like hand wrote a letter like can't wait to meet you type shit. Harvard sent me a few letters. Tulane sent me a few letters. Rice sent me a few letters, and I'll just be one hundred, right? So we talk about imposter syndrome. Hey man, you, I didn't know what it was back then, but looking back on it, man, you talk about having imposter syndrome. I'm getting letters from universities like, hey, can't wait to meet you, and I'm like, man, I ain't that fucking yeah. good. I ain't that yeah. good, like. And what I didn't understand is that, like, unless you're like a blue chip, no shit athlete, right? Which I was not that. Let's be clear, right? I wasn't like a blue chip athlete, right? If you're one of those guys, they come find you. They come to your house, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you're not on that level and you're maybe a couple tiers under that, maybe you got division one skill, but probably more like division two or small division one, like you have to pursue it. You like, if you get the yeah. letter, you have to reach back and say, okay, like, when are you guys running camp? I'll come to your camps. I'll try out those, those kind of things. Right. I, I wasn't tracking any of that. My parents weren't like, my parents love me. My mom loves me to death. So is my stepdad, but like, you know, they weren't focused on that. Right. Like for them, it was all about academics, which I did end up getting an academic scholarship. Right. But 
Yeah, I was recruited by Harvard. I was recruited by a bunch of people, but I was a fucking dumbass and I didn't pursue it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's all good. Right. Like I'm, 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 I do not regret anything. I've had a great life, but man, that would have been pretty cool. Right. That would have been pretty cool to play fucking SEC football at Arkansas. Right. Like even though some fan, yeah, but whatever, it'd have been cool. You know? Yeah. What was, but what was like the ultimate, like deciding factor and you being like, fuck college. I'm doing something different. Like what made you make that decision? Um, yeah, man. So I, I think a lot of people experience this, especially these days. Like if you look at the, the guys and gals that we get into the Navy, I'd say almost half of them have some kind of college experience. Like when you check in with somebody, some of them, like probably half of them started in college and decided to come, come into the military. For me, I started with an academic scholarship. I had a little uh-huh. apartment right there across from Lamar University. I had some good friends, let's just say. And Dean's house was the spot. And I lost my scholarship the first semester. I didn't mm. wake up for class. Bro, when I look back on it, I'm like, bro, you could not get up for an 8 o'clock class. Like, what the fuck were you doing, you know? And like an eight o'clock class, bro. And that, like, I think about five thirty main space five drills. Now I'm like, you're a fucking know, piece right? of shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, so I lost my scholarship the first semester, and that was a pretty big hit, right? So I start taking on student loans, and uh, not a super expensive university, Lamar University. It's like a community university in Southeast Texas, in Beaumont, and I, I you know, I. I Recovered. I got my grade point average back up to like a three five, three six. Did really well after that first semester. But I got to probably around, I don't know. I came in in like July of two thousand one, so probably around the end of two thousand. I was just kind of looking around, and I was like, and I was having fun. Like, don't get it twisted, right? I was in college. I was working basically full time. I was a manager at Papado. Y'all might have heard of that place, right? Yeah, it's like a yeah, Papado, right? Yeah. So yeah. I was a manager at Papado, living that restaurant life, which you ever worked in a restaurant, you already know. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> it's a good time, right? So and Matt was my boy. And and again, his sister was um, she's like an AW in the reserves. Uh-huh. And, you know, we just got to talking. I was like, dude, like Beaumont's cool, but I cannot imagine myself being here forever, bro. Like, I, I gotta, I gotta do something different. The original plan was so my family, um, my stepdad specifically and my brothers. So they have what's called the Packard Law Firm. Back then it was Packard and Packard. Now it's the Packard Law Firm, San Antonio, Beaumont, Lake Charles. And so the original plan was to come in, get my shit together mm-hmm. and, you know, get out and then finish up my degree. I only had a year left and then go to law school and then join the firm. Right. Like that was the original plan. But bro. They fucked up. We pulled into Patio Beach, Thailand, my first fucking port visit. I was like, fuck it. 20 years, sign me up. Hey, what was your what was your first command? USS Essex in Sasebo, Japan, bro. Sasebo. Yep. I was down there with y'all might know D. Harrison. Y'all know D. Uh, he was down there with me. Back then, OG Feaster, who ended up being a mentor to Ty Giles, is down there with me. Marty King, who ended up being the George Washington CMC, I know the Marty C-Face King. CMC. He was my CMC. Who, Marty? He was my CMC on the um, McCain? McCain. I think it was a McCain. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know Marty. <laughs> 
<laughs> Marty was an AOCS on Essex. I saw him get frocked to AOCM when I was a second class. Right. Mm. So me and Marty go way back. So yeah, man. Yeah, man. Hey, Essex so- was my first ride. But to answer your question, uh, Damo man. Um, it wasn't like I was in peril. It wasn't like I was like wasting my life. I just wanted to do something bigger than myself. Yeah. Right. And, and I specifically remember and remember feeling that like, man, like I never thought about joining the military, but you know, I'm athletic. I am smart. I think I'll do well at it. You know, I'm going to serve my country. Like I remember feeling those patriotic feelings. And, you know, I just wanted to change the scenery at the, at the beginning. Right. And, um, and and like I said, man, it was the best decision I ever made. I don't regret anything. Yeah. So you went from Louisiana, which, you know, that's Gulf coast. I would consider that Southern, you know, to Texas, Uh Texas is a little more North than Louisiana, but me being from Philly, I still consider that Southern, um, Mm -hmm. to Japan. Yeah, bro. Yeah, and then I've been in Japan basically my entire adult life at this point, right? Yeah, so how was that culture? How was that? Was that a culture shock for you? Oh, yeah, dude. So I always tell people... Um, no, no, it sounds like a whole car just crashed. There might be a whole earthquake happening. <laughs> well, speaking of fucking Japan, right? Um, that was fucked up. Hey, yeah. so I always tell people this story, right? Speaking of culture shock. So here I am. I got to Essex in November of 01. And I remember I show up to the pier. They dropped me off at the wrong ECP. So I had to walk like a half mile. It was like midnight. Got to the ECP. They're like, oh, hey, what's up, dude? They're like, they called my sponsor, who was this guy named Jones. And he's a freakazoid. And he comes down the <laughs> pier and he like, he like shows me to the, my rack. It's not made or anything. He's like, yeah, it's bottom rack. This is you right here, dude. Yeah. So whatever, I was a Boy Scout, so I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll sleep anywhere, man. So I jumped in that bitch, woke up the next morning, you know, he grabs me, we go up to work, blah, blah, blah. And um, so that was November, my first Christmas in Japan. And I've told my wife this, so it's, it's not like, you know, it's not a secret, right? But <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I met this little thing, right? It was like Friday night. You know, Christmas Eve is like Friday night. Went out with the boys there at Saspo. If you've ever been to Saspo, like, there ain't much there, man. There's just a few little bars, whatever. I met this girl that had come down from Fukuoka, and, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, we spent the night together and the holiday in there. It was fancy. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I remember we woke up the next morning, man, and it was raining, right? It was gross. It was cold. It was like sideways raining. It was Christmas Day. And I remember, uh, and, and, I, and I roll over, and she wasn't nearly as attractive as I remembered. I was like, "God damn it!" Right? <laughs> and, uh, and so, and we, you know, so we check out, and she's like, she's still tagging along, man. I'm like, man, she got to go, dude. Right? Yeah, I got to do something. So I was like, hey, I gotta, I gotta call. It's Christmas, so I need to, I need to call home. She's like, okay. I was like, all right, see you later. And she kind of stuff. Bye. And so she yeah. left. And I had some of those old AT&T prepaid uh, phone cards. You remember those? Yeah. Shit, I used to give them to you for free. I had a pocket full of AT&T prepaid, prepaid phone cards. So I went to a fucking phone booth, man. It's raining. I'm all wet and shit. And I like call home and my mom answers. I'm like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and uh, 
you know, I tell that story, it's kind of funny, right? But that was kind of like indicative of the initial culture shock, just being away from home. And it felt like there was a lot of rain in my life at that point, I guess is the thing, right? And it was during stand down. So, you know, everybody's on leave. And so you, you kind of, you know, the ship's not really operating the way that it normally does. And so, yeah, I remember my first couple months were, were pretty rough, man. But I really settled into Japanese culture real quick, man. Like I, I, and to this day, like this is the place where I probably feel it most, like most at peace, either here or like yeah. the woods in Louisiana or out on the lake in Texas. Like, there's just a vibe here, and I'm 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 all about the the kind of woo woo hippie shit. There's a vibe here that really kind of puts my my soul at rest, like at, at peace. I don't feel anxious. I don't feel stressed out, and the culture is just so good. Like, you know, people take care of each other. Um, there's almost no crime. There's like basically no crime. Uh, yeah. Public transit is like fantastic and clean, and everybody's respectful. And um, yeah, man, I, I really love it over here. And so as I look to my future, right? Like, yeah, there's a culture shock initially, but you know, the the, the name of the podcast, The Rising Sun, that's definitely a play on on the fact that like I'm basically half Japanese at this point. And yeah. um, you know, as I as I look to the future, you know, we'll maintain a residence here. And because I, I won't like I won't be able to go long periods of time without coming back to Japan to get kind of my fix. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, as I look to the future, we'll maintain a small, probably apartment or a condo here, plus the residents in Texas. And it, it'll always kind of be about like a back and forth kind of thing, you know? Hey, also, um, we, we talked a little bit, <laughs> talked a little bit about the, the podcast, man, Rising Sun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, my, my question is, man, like, what's your the, the message, man? You get into the audience. Like, what, what are mm. you putting out? Um, what, what do you want them to, to get from um, when you come out, when you put an episode out? Yeah, man, I think that when I started it, the the main goal was to talk to interesting people. That's it. Like, it's a labor of love. I'm not making any money off of it, man. And, you know, the viewership is what the viewership is, right? And so that's never been the intent, right? Um, is it a great networking tool? Absolutely, man. It allows me to meet really, really cool, interesting people that you know, that I want to be associated with later on in life and now in my life. So like, you know, why do I do it? I don't know. I enjoy doing it. I like talking to cool fucking people, you know, but like the message I want to get across to people is that like, there's a way to win. There's a way to win at life, period. And you know how you win at life? You fucking keep going and you don't fucking blame people. You don't say, oh, poor pitiful me. And I wasn't given a fucking chance. Like, hey, bro, I'm from fucking Louisiana, right? Like, I remember specifically being hungry, man. Like, hmm, wonder what's for dinner tonight. Well, shit, let me go look in the fridge. Oh, there's nothing here but fucking old cornbread. Well, I guess I'll eat that, right? So, like, yeah. you know, this idea that, like, you know, that you can't win at life, that you can't succeed. Hey, fuck that. Like, you can. And I think that that's the message that I want to get to whoever listens, man. And my viewership is not just Navy. It's not just military and neither are the guests, right? The guests run a pretty broad spectrum and each one of them has a story about how they were able to overcome challenges in their life and then be extremely successful. And I, I'm not talking about being just like averagely successful. Like, you know, the, the, the people that listen to my podcast, I want them to win fucking big, bro. Like take those mm -hmm. talents that you have 
and apply them to your life, do hard shit, and then fucking like be a huge success. Um, and I think that's that's the message, right? Like, don't don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Fucking like, go do it, man. Like, there's nothing holding you back except yourself. You know. So I, I think that's to answer your question. I, you know, go fucking yeah. win, man. Go win. You know. Yeah, yeah. So so Damon kind of got us here. So I'm, mm. I'm a. I do want, I'm going to talk a little bit about the pod. I want us to wiggle out of it and then yeah. maybe come back, come back yeah. to it a little bit later to uh, talk about some more Navy stuff and some more <laughs> personal stuff. But and, and to the pod, since we are right here, um, congrats on a year. Congrats yeah, yeah. on a year, man. Yeah. That shit is, is not as easy as people think it is. You know nah, what I mean? Um, I remember being on a, I was at a medical appointment with my wife. Um, before she got surgery. And I remember mm. talking to you on the phone and you're like, yo, I, I got this idea. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I thought it was cool because I saw you do everything you said you were going to do. Yeah. But I also know that it's a journey. Like wow, and nobody, you, you can never tell anybody how much of an uphill battle it is. And then it's a certain point to, to like you get to, to where you like, surrender some shit. And yeah. that's a, if you know, you know thing. Like, I'm not even going to get into what I mean by that. I know, you know, yeah. but it's a certain point that you get to where you're like, all right, I'm surrendering this, but you did take a pause for a little bit, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And what was that about? Yeah, man. So I did an unaccompanied tour in Misawa. So if you guys don't know about Misawa, it's cold as fuck. First of all, right. You get about yeah. a month of, you know, summer in Misawa. It's the snowiest base in all of DOD. And so the winters are like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like John Snow would say, right? The, 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 you know, the winters are long and dark, right? I always joke, man, me and Aaron talk all the time. And like, my time in Masala was like my time on the wall. Like, I went and took the fucking black for two years <laughs> type shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, and then made my fucking triumphant return to King's Landing down here in fucking Yokosuka. Yeah. But, um, the, the pause. So I, I did an unaccompanied tour up there. And so when I started the podcast, man, I, I was living by myself. Right. And so like, you know, I can set up the lights and I can set up the microphone and the camera and I can just go. Right. And I didn't have to worry about, Oh, it's dinner time or I got kids in the house or school or X, Y, Z. Right. Like it was just me. So it was easy. And then after you do an unaccompanied tour, I don't know if you guys have ever done one, like you got to reintegrate, man. You know, and so mm -hmm. coming back home after two years up there during COVID, so travel was hard. There were times when I couldn't travel home type shit because of COVID restrictions and things like that. So there were long periods when I didn't see my family. And so it, it was like a true unaccompanied tour. Like I couldn't come home every weekend type shit. Like I go yeah. sometimes two or three months without seeing the family. So got home. Well, I should say transferred. And then we went and spent about 40 days, 40 or so days in the States. So I took a long leave period to go see the family back in Texas. And so during that period, I was like, I'm not doing podcasts. I thought I might. I thought I might do some in-person ones while I was back. But I, I was like, you know what? I'm focused on this. I'm with the family. I'm going to be present. I'm going to enjoy this vacation, unwind, you know, reacclimate to being with the family. And then when I got back, I was back in the house. Right. And so reintegrating like dad's back home. I don't want to like disrupt the balance of what they've been doing for two years. It's important. Important. 
you got to, man. You got to reintegrate. And so I even put it on my Instagram. There was a post that I made when I had decided that I was going to make a strategic pause. And, you know, it was a picture of me like with my kids and they were doing homework and I was helping them with their homework. And, you know, that was the focus. That was the focus at the time. And then, um, you know, that got me through basically Christmas. And I, I was starting to get, you know, you've done it, right? I was starting to get the bug again. I was like, man, I got, I got to get this thing rolling, right? Like, I already put too much time and effort in this thing just to let it die on the vine, you know? And so I talked yeah. to one of my good friends. He was the first one that I had back on the podcast, Bryce Arnett. And I, I've known him shit since like, I don't know, 96, 97, maybe even before. And he was like, dude, like, I love what you're doing. And oh, by the way, Bryce is a recovering alcoholic. And I've struggled with alcohol, especially being on an unaccompanied tour, right? Like, well, what's I'm going to do today? I guess I'll fucking have three chew eyes, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and so, like, he kind of helped me as I was kind of pulling myself away from that. And, um, and he was the first one that I had back on when I, when I kicked it back off. And that episode went so well. And because they don't all go well, man, right? Like, sometimes it's a fucking <laughs> shit show, right? Like, goddamn, how am I going to salvage this, you know? And yeah. um, just the encouragement he gave me, I was like, you know what, dude? And what he told me, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm having this self doubt. He's like, dude, he's like, you're Dean motherfucking how, bro? Like, hey. get this shit done. I was like, okay, that's what I needed to hear, right? And um, so the, street, the strategic pause was about reintegrating with the family. I'm glad I did it, and now they fully support me, man. Um, you know, because I gave them that time that I didn't make that the priority. They understand that they are the priority and this comes yeah. second every fucking time. But now they help me with it. Right. So like my, my 16 year old bro, like the things they're teaching them in school right now, she takes video communications. She's a fucking wizard on Adobe Premiere Pro, bro. Like a yeah. wizard. Right. And so okay. like. I'm paying her, I'm paying her $50 a month to fucking produce my podcast. Good, you know what I'm saying? Man. Yeah, that's good. That's good, man. So, that's good. So, so for me though, uh, I know Damon asked you that question earlier for me as a listener, as a, at this point, like day one listener, mm-hmm. I look at your podcast as a, as for me, it seems like it's a reflection of you. Like, mm-hmm. so, uh, it started, you know, you were, it seemed like it was a time and now that you reflect on it, we're going to talk about it uh, in a minute, but you reflect on it, like maybe having too much to drink before recording and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But the pod, like the way the episodes go, the way your guests go and things like that, like as, it started real intimate. Like you had episodes with your daughters. Uh, well, with your daughter, you had episodes with friends. <laughs> but now it seems as if like with the 75 hard thing that we're about to talk about and just yeah, your focus on health, your focus on winning and stuff like that. It looked like your guest list expanded to yeah. the same way that it seems like, you know, your vision and your plans and your life yeah. is in this like uh, new direction. Just for yeah. me as a listener, that's kind of what I'm seeing. Um, and yeah, like I said, congrats on a year. And I don't know, is it the same way? Am I seeing something off or is it the same way no. for you? No, man, I think you're absolutely right. When I started this thing again, it was it was kind of. Um, I had an idea of what I wanted to do with it. But I didn't think that it would happen so quickly. And what I mean by that is that, and you know, I'll talk about this in a second. Like some of the, the guests that I've had recently, I anticipated that those would come much further down the road. You know, yeah. Whether it's a Hannah Eden or a Matt Vincent, like 
you know, these are big names, right? Sean Whalen, like those are, those are big name people, right? I'm going to have Ryan Stuman. He's already agreed once I get 50 on the books. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, I, I, and I knew that I wanted to get there, but I had this self doubt. I didn't really believe that. I think I didn't believe that I was going to get there. And I certainly didn't think that I was going to get there anytime soon. And I'm not like, I have not arrived per se, but I am exploring new types of guests. And it all started with basically like senior enlisted. I had some spouses on, I had some friends and now it's kind of taken a different path. Right. And, um, I'm excited about that for sure. But yeah, I think that if, if we were to draw a line, like when did, when did like this thing turn into something different per se, right? For sure. It's, it's this time when I've done 75 hard and oh, by the way, I've attempted 75 hard all of 2022. Like I probably tried a dozen times and I get five days, I get 10 days and then something would happen. I wouldn't drink all my water. I'd have a fucking drink. I'd whatever. Right. I wouldn't, you know, yeah. I wouldn't pay attention to my workout. I wouldn't get an outside workout. And if you're not tracking what 75 hard is, look, I don't want to explain it here. Basically go check out Andy Frisella on Instagram. All of the templates are there. You'll, you'll see what it is. Right. But yeah. essentially it's a seven, 75 day program about mental toughness about hitting the reset button on your life, right? About making yourself do uncomfortable things and getting into a routine, right? And so I'm at day 69 right now, so I'm going to finish. 69. Ooh, finish this 69. You know I, I, I actually got that in my notes. Like 69, man. You got yeah. six more days, done. man. Bro. And, and yeah. I think what you find, and, and, and I encourage anybody to do it, man. Honestly, I do. I think anybody could be could be well served by doing 75 hard. I'm not promoting Andy for sale. I don't fucking know the guy, right? I listen to his podcast because I think it's hilarious. But, you know, this program will really change your life, man. And yeah, I got six days left, but guess what I'm going to do in six days? I'm going to keep doing the same shit, man. Yeah. I'm going to keep doing the same shit because now it's truly a habit. Now it's a way of living. Now, like I get anxiety if I don't do the hard shit, right? If I didn't get my second workout in and the day's winding down, I start to get anxiety about not getting that thing done. Not because I'm worried about not finishing 75 hard, but because I'm not, I'm not exposing myself to that hard shit, right? And if I yeah. expose myself to that hard shit when I'm done with it, dude, I feel so much better. When I sit in that sauna for 20 minutes at fucking, you know, almost 200 degrees Fahrenheit, bro, when I walk out of that bitch, I feel like a new man. If I don't do that, if I don't lift some heavy shit, if I don't get my outdoor workout done, then that's when the anxiety and the self-doubt starts to creep in, right? And so, yeah, I think that this time when I started 75 hard and I started it on January 1st, I think that I was like, look, dude, let's go all in. What? Let's see what happens. Let's see what yeah. happens if I go all in, right? Worst case scenario, I'll go all in and then I still have a good podcast. If I go all in and I have a great podcast, then what did I fucking lose? Nothing, right? So go all in either way. Right. And that's, yeah. that's kind of been my mentality as I kind of kicked it back off. Like, let's don't play footsie with this fucking thing. Like if you're going to fucking do it, do it. Right. And, yeah. and that's kind of where I'm at with it now. Like I'm all in dude. Um, there ain't anything that I say on here that is crazy. Right. Um, you know, so I'm not worried about like what any repercussions or what have you, you know, I'm all in on it this time and it's okay yeah. to be all in on this. And all in on being a command master chief and, you know, taking care of my command. 
Matter of fact, the two fucking things complement each other is the way I look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so listening to your pod, right? Talking to you and, you know, everything. I, I kind of got you like you, you, you almost like my right shoulder, uh, like the angel, the right shoulder <laughs> angel. Right? <laughs> but um, what's Dean, what's Dean on the left shoulder? Like what the hell does your left shoulder tell you? Oh, left shoulder says fucking uh, it's Friday. Go pick up fucking three or four or five chew highs. And yeah. let's sit on that back porch because it's nice outside today. And uh, let's get fucked up, right? Like that's that's the left yeah. shoulder, Dean. It is when, what it is, when was, bro. Right? When was the last time your left shoulder talked to you? Uh, the left shoulder talks to me every day, man. Every day, <laughs> right? Yeah. Every fucking right. day, right? Yeah. Left shoulder's like, bruh, You already know. Right, like just fucking hit that fucking chew high. <laughs> yeah. You still go, you still gonna do your outdoor walk, man. Yeah. It's just gonna be a little more yeah. fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and I'm not saying that I'll never drink again, right? Like yeah. it's not that, right? Like you know, I'll, I'll probably have some beers with with the boys every once in a while. If I'm having a barbecue at the house, I, you know, I'll probably have a couple colds, right? But yeah. um, I have, you know, committed to myself, to my family, to my life, to my health. I've committed that I'm not going to allow that alcohol specifically, right? But alcohol is just like the indicator of all of the, you know, the things that we give into, right? Alcohol is like, for me, it's like alcohol. But really what alcohol represents is me being a fucking pussy, right? Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Me giving into all those those things that are going to make my life worse, right? And so, Yeah. yeah, will I have some beers again someday? Yeah, I'm sure I will, right? But yeah it ain't ever going to be the fucking focus again. Right. And yeah, you know, there's probably people out there listening, man. There's a lot of fucking closet alcoholics in the Navy and we all know it. Right. That's uh, you running yeah. down my, you running down my topic list, man. Hold on. Give me a, give me like one second. Cause, cause, <laughs> cause that's actually my next, that's my next question. But before I yeah. get there, my um, first question is um, you haven't drank since January 1st. Is that still? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. True? So, okay. New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Eve, you know, you know, I, you know, I drank. I didn't get sh- shit faced or anything, but I knew that because I knew I was starting on January first, right? And um, yeah. but I remember that you know I, I took I took a sip out of the flute of champagne. And I sat it on the table. And I was like, okay, that's it. And honestly, like, yeah, the left shoulder talks to me, but like, I haven't had any craving. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't have any like yeah. withdrawals or anything like that. It was just, I, I flipped the switch. I said, okay, I'm not doing that. It's time to go. I'm not yeah. doing that, right? Like, I got other shit to do. I may come back to you someday and, and partake, right? But right now, I got some shit to do. So you're going to have to stay over there for a little while, right? Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, last drink was December 31st, 2022. So, yeah, man. And, and, and your pod, you know, it's been motivating me. And before I hit this alcohol point, I do want to... So my wife, like I talked to my wife, right, Damon, and I asked you her. You talked right? to your wife. I'm like what? Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> so, but but I asked her, right? I said, "Hey, babe, if you ran a simulation of yourself, like if you were to play a video game, mm-hmm. and it was you in a video game, mm-hmm. and the video game told you if you eat this shit, it's gonna fuck up your liver, it's gonna fuck you up, mm-hmm. it's gonna destroy you, whatever. And it was like if you eat this shit, like these vegetables mm-hmm. and all this shit." It's going to be good for you. You're going to live longer, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, what choice, what choice would you make? You know, yeah. she was like, oh, I would, I would make the healthy choice all the time or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what's the difference between 
that in life. Like it's the yeah. same exact thing. Honestly, right. we know we know what's at the end of the road. We we see all the signs. We do control our own like simulation. You know, and everybody that I ever ask that question, they always make the healthy exactly. choice. And it's like, well, why the fuck can't you do it in real life? You know, yeah. and not saying that my wife is like yeah. eating too crazy every day or whatever, but that was, you know, she was who I was talking to. And yeah. me recently, man, I, I recently went pescatarian, man. I was telling David okay. earlier, I'm pescatarian, man. You know nice. what I'm saying? So that's when you yeah, started. Bro. That's when you tell him when you started. Yesterday. All right. There you go. Hey. Okay. <laughs> man, yesterday, man. Yeah. From day one. Yeah. Let's go. You almost, know what I mean? Yeah. Almost quit, man. Gotta start, almost, you can't finish. Like, <laughs> you gotta start before yeah, you finish, right? So, so I, I don't want to go too deep because we talked about it earlier. It's going to be like on one of our little pieces. Almost quit today, though, man. You know, but <laughs> left, show, left show to almost have me get some hot chicken, man. But I, yeah. I, I chilled out. I chilled out, man. And I, I yeah. wound up getting some shrimp, man. That shrimp was yeah. disgusting. I ain't even getting into how bad that, <laughs> I, ain't even, I ain't even getting into how bad yeah. that shrimp was. Hey, and for the listeners, I'm still sick, so this is still my sick voice. But Dean, you brought up something. Yeah. And I had a question in here, mm. and I probably worded it wrong, but the question is, is there a drinking subculture in the Navy? And you brought oh, up bro. closet Come on, drinkers. Bro. Come on, man. You know, this is one of those, like, this is one of those questions that, like, you know, we all know the answer to. Okay? Yeah. Drink to the fucking phone. Right. Stop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Come on, man. Drink to the phone. Come on, let's talk yeah. about it, right? Sailors in general have a drinking culture. Okay. Anybody ever been to the Constitution? Yeah. So, yeah, the USS yeah, Constitution sure. probably went for senior enlisted yep. academy. Yep. I went also um, as a selectee uh, for Heritage Week back in 2008. Listen, bro, grog is a real thing, right? Like, we've been drinking. We've been drinking since ships set sail. We've been drinking. Sailors have been drinking, right? This Navy isn't any different. We all know that, man. Come on. We know. And oh, by the way, it's not just the Navy. You know, I've served with the Air Force on a couple different occasions, both in Hawaii and then also in Misawa. It's a military thing, right? It's a military thing. Like, we get, you know, we get turned up. It is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like, so it makes it, it's the culture enables it. How's that? Right. The culture is the enabler, right? We're going to drink if we're having, you know, a cheese mess function, we're going to drink. If we're having a change of command, there'll be cocktails after. If we're right, we're having our Christmas party. Everything. Everybody's cutting loose. Everybody's drinking, right? Yeah. Okay. Is that a bad thing? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, it's legal, right? So, um, you know, like the culture didn't make anybody drink. Yeah, it, it might it might enable, you know, the, the 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 drinking in a sense, but like that's a personal decision, man. That's a personal decision. Like, okay, am I going to drink tonight or not? Okay, that's up to you. Are you yeah. going to or not? Right. And here's the other part. Am I going to drink? Am I going to overindulge? Right? From a guy that yeah. knows how to overindulge, right? Oh, trust me, I know how, right? I'm good at it too, right? I'm the life of the fucking party, right? But there's one thing with allowing alcohol to be like a social lubricant. Have a couple beers, maybe a cocktail. 
you know, maybe have scotch on the rocks with a cigar with friends. Hey, that's one thing, right? The next step, though, is now I've had three shots of Jägermeister. I'm on my fourth beer. See what I'm saying? Like, I think that the danger is when people allow themselves, and this is where the culture is, too. The danger is when people allow themselves to go past, like, I'm going to have, like, you know, I'm going to have a little social lubricant, loosen up, have some drinks with, with friends at a party to, all right, I guess we're getting fucked up. Like, let's go. Right. And that's, that's, that's the part that is real easy in, in the military because the culture is there to allow it. Right. We talk about right spirit and this, that, and the third thing, but come on, man, let's be real. Right. Yeah. Everybody's getting fucked up. Especially, especially deployment, especially on deployment. Like when you get like, you hit a, you hit like a port and they like, all right, y'all got to be back by like such and such time. All right. People rolling out, they might stop. They might get something real quick. They find somewhere to drink. And Damon, remember the last shit people get, people used to get back, bro. I used to like, you would think I was in Walking Dead, bro. Like I'm running, ducking. It's senior chiefs, chiefs. Like drunk, and they get they get that zombie look where they see you from down the P way, and just start looking, hang them eyes. Duh, I'm out. Duh, I'm hitting my because okay, they about to come to you drunk. They just having the most fun in their life. They drunk as shit. Go to sleep, man. You know what I'm saying? But it's yeah. a crazy lifestyle. But you brought up closet closet alcoholics, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to like become. Uh, like, well, to not really understand how bad it really got for you yeah. if most of the people around you doing that shit or if it's like, I've been places where people try to make me, I drink. I'm not going to say I don't drink, mm-hmm. but I've been places where people try to make me feel bad because I wasn't like oh, like yeah. drinking at the drink. time. Oh, oh yeah. All <laughs> you the time. Yeah. Like, no, you ain't going to yeah. get a beer? Like, nah, not, not today. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They might not even want yeah. you to hang. Like, they might not even want you hanging with them if you don't, you know, if you don't drink or oh, whatever yeah. like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Then I've been, I've been, I've been destroyed off alcohol a few times too. So, you yeah. know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm nobody's saint, you know what I mean? Right. But it is a lot of closet, you know, alcohol. But would you say that you got that far or um, you nah, kind of stopped I right mean, on a... No, I, I, so I, I'll say it like this, right? Like, um... I like to, I like to drink. I still like to drink. I, and I acknowledge that. You know what I mean? Um, you know, was it impacting my life like super negatively? Like, you know, like you kind of hear, you see the stories. No, nah, it's not that, man. Like, I don't yeah. get off work. I'm like most people, right? I get off work. I got some beers in the fridge. I'm going to have a few unwind before dinner, right? Call it a night. It wasn't anything crazy, right? We're not talking like stumbling down the street, you know, blacked out, doing wild shit. That's not it, right? Yeah. But those three drinks every day after work compound. It's like yeah. compounding interest, right? That shit ain't good for you, man. Nah, Nothing yeah. that you do in excess is good for you, except maybe physical activity. And that's about it, right? Maybe reading books and like, you know, becoming a better human. Maybe you do those in excess, but even those you have to exercise some type of restraint. Otherwise yes. you're ignoring other things in your life, but for sure eating too much sugar, eating too much fucking red meat, eating too much bread, drinking too many fucking beers. Those things for sure 
will compound over time. And next time you look in the mirror, you're a fat piece of shit. You don't recognize yourself. It's not because you did anything necessarily bad. You just haven't taken care of yourself. Like, let's be honest about it. Alcohol is a poison by nature. That's why you get intoxicated from it, right? Yeah. If you do it in moderation, there ain't nothing wrong with it, man. There ain't nothing wrong, right? When you do it over time in moderation, however, that ain't in moderation anymore. Now it's become a compounding problem, right? I think that's probably where I find myself or where I found myself is that like I hadn't put it down for a long time. Yeah, it's like you come home, like, yeah, come home, grab a glass on Monday night, Tuesday night, come home. I was talking to my brother about that, like, come home, grab a glass on Tuesday night. Like, yeah, I'm not getting drunk. I'm just just one glass. Mm -hmm. Wednesday night, one glass. I'm watching a movie, one glass. Mm -hmm. Sports is on, one glass. It's like, by the time you look up, you're like, damn, I didn't drink every night at least one drink for like three weeks straight or something like that. Right. 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 And it's easy to just continue down that path, man. Yeah, especially as you get older, because your body changes as you get older. And so you attribute kind of like the changes in your body to age. You're like, oh, well, of course, I'm a little fucking fluffy around the waist, man. Like I'm fucking 43, right? No, bitch. No, no. It's because you're being a lazy piece of shit. I'm talking to myself, right? It's because you're not fucking going to the gym the way you're supposed to. It's because you're not taking advantage of the God given genetics that you were blessed with, right? Like that's why you're a fat piece of shit. Because you have been drinking every night for the last two years. That's why you're a fat piece of shit, right? Yeah. And when I say fat piece of shit, I mean it in the most like, you know, general terms. (laughs) Fat piece of shit. My body looks like a fucking fat piece of shit. And that fat piece of shit body is a visual representation of what my fucking brain and my emotions, emotional state looks like as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And these behaviors, right, they could become like just customary behaviors. Like, so, you know, I come home, right? And instead of, let's say, the alternate behavior would be coming home, finding some food, um, vegetables or something like that, prepping the food, cooking the food, eating the food, right? That's a whole process. It takes energy to to prep the uh, vegetables, to cut them up or whatever like that versus coming home. and And this has been me some nights. Coming home, pull out the phone, find DoorDash, Uber Eats or something. Doesn't take much energy at all. I'm watching a movie, and if I'm ordering something off DoorDash, Uber Eats, it's not going to be the healthiest of of meals nine times out of ten. So then I order that shit. All I really have to do is get up to get the food, get the food, eat the food. I'm still chilling. Mm -hmm. After that, eventually, it's time to go to sleep. You know what I'm saying? So it's like like no action at all. That kind of takes away from that healthy lifestyle. I do have a, a question for you. Um, 15 years in Japan, right? That's how, yeah. that's how long you've been, been going in? on 16. Yeah. And when did you meet um, your wife? Like how, how far into your career? Yeah, bro. So I got to Japan in November of 01. We met maybe summer of 02 timeframe, maybe August of 02, something like that. It's a funny story, man. So, uh, y'all ever been to Sasebo at all? No. Yes. I, yeah. Okay, so Sasebo has this, it's the craziest thing. There's a Dutch theme park right outside of Sasebo. It's out by the housing area called Hario. The Dutch theme park is called Hostenbosch, right? Like windmills. It's what you would imagine as a Dutch theme park. There's no rides or anything. So me and the boys, man, it was a Sunday morning. Again, we had been out steaming the night before. 
Um, and so like, I remember waking up and ops birthing on Essex. I didn't have a house or anything. I was young fucking third class. I woke up, we all sleep in the same aisle and I get up and it's like nine in the morning and I'm feeling like shit. And we get underway the next day. We're getting underway on Monday. And I got up and I, you know, woke, woke the boys up. I was like, Hey guys, I was like, let's go do something. man. Let's like, let's not go to fucking galaxies today. Like let's go do something. Right. Yeah. What the fuck you want to do? Then I don't know, man. Let's go to the train station. Let's go to the train station. We'll look at the the board. Wherever is the, like the cheapest place to go to, we'll go there. So we look at the board. We we go. Austin Bosch is like super cheap to get to. Little do we know, it's like five thousand yen to get in. So we end up spending a bunch of money anyways. And it's a Dutch theme park, and they have an ample supply of Heineken. So we drank a lot of Heinekens that day, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so end of the night, man. And here I am. Dummy, I got like a you know like a a shirt with like the sleeves cut off, thinking I'm you know Mister fucking badass, and uh, 22 years old, young strapping buck, and um, end of the night, there's a Cuban band playing at a Dutch theme park in Japan, and so you know whatever we're watching this Cuban band, it's pretty, pretty live, right? And we look up at the front row, and there's these two cute little Japanese girls, man, like sitting on the front row. And, I, you know, I was there with my boys. I was like, fuck it. Let's go talk to them, man. So we go up. We talk to them. Blah, 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 blah. At this point, the train stopped running. We're all broke. We didn't have money for a cab. I don't know how we thought we were going to get home, right? <laughs> and so we ask, we ask them for a ride home, right? And so they bring us to the back gate and drop us off. I got mommy's email address. She spoke that much English, bro. And my Japanese was just above zero. And... um Got her email address. We went underway. We were underway for like three months. We emailed back and forth, you know, while I was underway. Got back. We started dating. I'd go to Fukuoka. She'd come down to Sasebo. And, um, and so we dated for about a year. Funny story is on New Year's Eve of 2002, I asked her to marry me for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And she was it's like, not, no, I don't yeah, barely like, fucking know you, dude. And like, no, I'm not marrying yeah. you. It's like, God damn, okay. Um, and so then fast forward uh, in the spring of, of 2003, I asked her again. She said, yes, we ended up getting married in, in June of, of 03. And um, man, it's, you know, if, if you've been married for a while, like I said, we're going on 20 years, man. And look, dude, like um, when you've been married that long, man, it's a roller coaster, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of sacrifice that both parties give to the equation, especially once you have start having kids and shit. And, uh, dude, that woman is a saint. Like she, her, her place in heaven is reserved already. Mm. Um, just for putting up with my ass for 20 years. Right. Like there's no doubt about it, you know? And, uh, again, I talk about joining the Navy as a great decision. No doubt. Marrying her was the best decision ever made. She's a great mother. She's a fantastic uh, wife to me. She keeps my ass, even even in my hard times when I'm being a knucklehead. Like she's the one that tells me, right? Like, like you want to know who the real, like, you know, person on the right shoulder is? Yeah, yeah. It's the little Japanese girl named Mommy, right? Like, and she's quick to tell me, I don't give a fuck. You command match. I don't give a fuck who you are. Like you're <laughs> fucking up, and you need to get your shit straight, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right, girl. I love you. Thank you. Sorry, you know. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, man, uh, we, we got married in 2003. 
And um, it's been a, it's been a fantastic ride with her, dude. She she's gone with me to Tennessee. That was rough on her. Um, first time living in the states. I brought her to Millington, fucking Tennessee. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, that's like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, it's not New York. It's Tennessee, man. Like, yeah, she... dude. <laughs> hey, um, so, but look, how'd y'all learn each other languages? Like, how'd y'all? Yeah, bro. That so, if you're if you're in our house, it's funny, right? Like, we call it Japanglish. Like when she and I are speaking to one another, it's a it's this weird mixture, man, of Japanese words and English words that I taught to her, and then vice versa. And so it's it's I think that what we discovered over time as we were dating and early in our marriage is that like we um we just have a very emotional connection to each other. And like, she didn't have to say shit, dude. I know exactly what she's feeling, what she's thinking in any situation, just, just by her aura, by her presence, not even nonverbal cues. Again, I'm in the real kind of woo woo shit. Like it's not like telepathic, but man, I, I know where her head's at all the time. And I did even back then, like we had this very, you know, subtle way of communicating. Our verbal communication has improved over time. Yeah. And and it's, you know, we can talk about anything now, the meaning of life, right? But just we've always been very connected. Um, you know, I know that sounds lovey dovey or whatever, but like our hearts are connected. We came up in a very similar background. You know, her dad uh dipped out when she was young and she hadn't seen him since. And um, you know, you know, I had a kind of similar experience with my dad, you know, dipped out and and we both came up poor. Our parent, like, it's crazy. Like when her mom met my mom, like her mom was like the Japanese version of my mom kind of thing. It was weird. Right. And so like, we've just always had this very close, um, almost like metaphysical, you know, connection to each other. Uh, and, and it's worked, right. It's not perfect, but it's worked. Right. And I think the good thing about it is that like, we made an agreement early in life. When we started having kids that she was going to speak Japanese in the house and I was going to speak English. And so all of my girls are completely bilingual and, um, it's just, you know, that's just the way that we decided to do things and it worked out. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I just, that's funny. Like all my friends in the Navy that like had language barriers, I just gave them a bunch of like Seth Rogen movies and shit and they just came out. All they did was come out cursing. He's like, Hey motherfucker, like this shit here is fucking crap. Like, like, let me, let me get you something else now, but I didn't give you too much damn, uh, a 40 year old virgin and all yeah, like yeah. knocked up all that shit, man. They just came out <laughs> crazy, bro. I mean, and they were great at speaking English, but it, it had to have a curse word like every like other yeah. second. Yeah. So you said you made rank fast, right? Yeah, you made bro. Master Chief in 15 years. Yeah. So do you think that you would have done that the same way if you didn't do those couple years in college first? Hmm. Um, yeah, I think about this all the time, man. And um, I think that, so let's start here. Making chief in seven years was hard. A lot of people would say, well, what do you mean it's hard, bro? Like I know shit. I know shit about the Navy, right? I was yeah. not, I was not a, what we call an institutional expert, right? You know, we talk about, you know, institutional expertise as being, you know, one of our, you know, um, guiding principles. I was not an institutional expert by any stretch of the imagination. Was I a subject matter expert? Fuck yeah, man. I was the best PN in the fucking Navy. 
They ask anybody, I don't give a fuck. I was. I was a bad motherfucker, right? I was fit and I knew how to lead people. 100% I knew how to lead people. But like, as far as like knowing the ins and outs and the intricacies of the Navy, bro, I know mm-hmm. shit. And so there was a real yeah. steep learning curve being a seven year chief trying to, you know, figure all that shit out, right? I don't think that it's too early. I think there's certain people that, you know, that are going to be able to take that opportunity and, and flip it and, and, and do well. Right. And I did. And I think there's other ones that do there's Some, they fuck it up. Right. They make, they make it too early and they fuck it up. You know, but I think that's probably a small group because, you know, if, if you're, if you're able to make it that quick, you're doing something right. That's recognized by leadership and by your peers and by your sailors. Um, so yeah, man, I, was it too early? I don't know. Um, probably not, but it was hard. It was hard for me. Right now. Is that because of my college experience? No, it's not. I mean, I think I can probably attribute it more to working at Papado, right? Mm-hmm. So Papado is this crazy place. First of all, it's real hard to get hired there because you're making good money, right? So I'm 19 year old waiting tables on a lunch shift, making three, four hundred dollars on a lunch shift, right? Like you're making good money there, and so it's hard yeah. to get hired there. And one of the things that Papado does is like they do basically what we would call quarters before every shift and you line up and your shirt better be just so it like it better have been dry cleaned or if you pressed it, you better have done a good fucking job. Your apron has to be completely flawless and starched. Your vest has to be completely clean. So they do like a they do like a uniform inspection before every shift on all of their servers. Right. It's almost a kind of a militaristic organization in a sense. Bro, when mm-hmm. they hired me as a manager, when I moved up from server to manager, they made me go take a fucking personality test and a fucking polygraph <laughs> at a <laughs> restaurant. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Right? Yeah. And so, the look, nah, bro. Like, college, shit. That didn't teach me nothing about fucking leading people. But working in that environment for a couple of years, I think that like I took a lot of those lessons and applied them to my leadership style in the Navy. And I think that's probably what had a bigger impact than college. Now, if you take that pre-Navy experience in total, right? So three years out of high school before I joined the Navy, was yeah. I more situated at 21 to come in and be successful than I would have been at 18? Absolutely. 100%. And you see that all the time now, too. You get a sailor that walks through your door and he's 24. Like, what have you been doing this whole time? Well, I did like three years of college. I worked here. Da, 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 da. Like, you got a good one, typically. Somebody that comes in a little yeah. later has already sowed their wild yeah. oats and they're ready to fucking rock, dude. You know what I mean? They join the Navy because they're yeah. ready to do something with their fucking life, right? And um, I think I was one of those type of people when I came in, you know. Yeah. Hey, let me let me add, jump on that question too, man, because you, I mean, 7, 12, and 15 is crazy. I mean, I'm talking yeah. about for anybody who's listening is not in the, you know, military and or understand that's crazy for uh, yeah. Master Chief in 15 years. So I do got one question. I know, you know, we already know 92, you're smart as hell. <laughs> no doubt about yeah. that, right? <laughs> But my, my other side is, is any of that to the fact of you was in the right place at the right time or you just, oh, yeah. you know, 
Because I know I, I had one of my one of my guys, man. He told me he made Master Chief, you know, not in fifteen, but pretty pretty quick. And he said, man, mm-hmm. he just was a lot of time. He was like in the in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know we say the right place at the right time, and and it it makes it sound like it's a game of chance or something, you know. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I got right, you. and 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 but to kind of dive into that, you know, yeah. timing. Timing is very important. Okay, so. Here's here, here. I guess if anybody's listening and they're wondering, I don't know, how did I do it? Right. Okay. You can't do anything. You, you kind of can't do anything about where your first tour is. You know, for me, I finished as AAP out of a school. And so I got to select orders. Right. And I had the choice to fucking Kitty Hawk or the fucking Essex. Right. So I made the right choice. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I didn't yeah, both in Japan at the time, right? Was both at Japan? Both in Japan. Yeah. One in Yokosuka, one in Sasebo, right? And I decided, and it was the weirdest thing, right? I looked at the two ship types. I was like, okay, aircraft carrier. I was like, amphibious assault ship. And honestly, mm-hmm. I made that decision based on which one was the more capable ship in my mind, right? Oh, they launched LCACs. They got fucking helos. They got Harriers. They got Marines. I was like, man, this motherfucker's like the Death Star. I'm going to go to that bitch. That sounds cool. Not knowing that I'm going to Sasebo, right? Um, you know, but that first tour, you don't have a lot of control over. But then every tour after that, you do have a good bit of control over, right? And so when we talk about timing, the right place, the right time, after you finish that first tour, and, and, and even in the first tour, and I'll get to that in a second, but after you finish that first tour, you need to really look at, if you want to make it quick, right? You got kind of two options, and, and usually they're they're mutually exclusive of each other. You need to go do some cool shit that you really want to do. You can go to Riverine. You can go try to play with the SEALs. You can go to like a CB battalion. Um, you can go to some embassy duty in fucking Rio de Janeiro, right? You can do these jobs that that are going to be fun, um, but probably not very uh, you know professionally rewarding, right? Or you and you've got mentors that are telling you. Like, hey, man, you need to, like, in my case, you need to go to Millington. I don't want to go to fucking Millington. Millington? Fuck, that sounds terrible, right? You need to go to Millington for your career, right? Okay, so in those successive tours, when you talk about timing, those are decisions that you make. Those are decisions that you make that are going to set you up for success, right? And so... Being in the right place at the right time, a lot of times is a matter of choice to position yeah. to position yourself in those right places at the right time. Right now, I really got it jump started on the Essex though, and and, I, and and I'll explain it to you. So, three year tour, right? First tour, three year tour, and as I got through my second year, I'm looking at the landscape. I'm a second class. I'm the top second class. I know that second class evals are written at the departmental level. I'm not going to be evaluated against the entire ship, against the bosun mates and, and everybody, right? Like second class evals are signed by the department head. So I'm looking in my department, right? JOs, mm-hmm. you know, LIs, DMs. They don't know anything about these rates, right? PNs, D, you know, we didn't even have DKs. DKs were in supply, right? And so I'm looking across my department. I'm like, okay, I'm obviously the number one second class. I knew, I knew I was. There wasn't any question, right? Everybody knew it, you know? And so then I was like, okay, if I stay here for a fourth year, then I'm going to get the EP. And then if I get the EP, then I test for first a year early, right? 
And the timing, again, we talk about right place at right time. That was the last PN1 exam before we combined PN and DK to make PS. So I knew that if I did not take that opportunity, the, the next cycle, number one, advancement percentage was going to fall. And then number two, it's a fucking DK exam. I don't know shit about that, right? And so yeah. I looked at the timing and I was like, all right, I'm going to sacrifice this fourth year. I don't want to stay here for a fourth year, but I'm going to do it so that I get the EP. I get to take the, the last PM1 exam. And as luck would have it, right? Uh, and I studied my ass off. And then I made first on that first opportunity at, um, at PS1 by that time, right? So, I mean, I made, you know, I made PS1 at four years, right? And then transferred to Millington um, and then made chief in Millington, basically, right? So, yeah, man, I think right place at right time. But you have to be aware that you are in that right place at yeah. the right time. And then you have yeah. to do the things necessary to take advantage of that timing. Otherwise, you're just, okay, great. I'm in a good spot. But what are you doing with it? So you have to be aware enough yeah. to see your surroundings and then take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. You know how they have like spot names. I got a spot do better. Actually, this was actually supposed to be a topic of hey. one of our episodes that I wrote. But my spot do better is people when you ask when you ask them questions like, hey, thanks for that articulated answer, uh, Dean. I appreciate it. Right. My spot do better is the people that when you ask them, how did they get here in this amount of time or how did they do this? And their only answer to the question is that they were in the right place at the right time. And that's it. And then they walk yeah. the fuck away. It's yeah. like, hey, I'm a, I'm a second class. Yeah. You're a senior chief. I'm trying to know some of what you did. Like, right. yo, don't be that humble. Like, it ain't, that's, it's, that's too fucking humble. Like, what did you do? Like, yeah. how did you succeed? Like, when young sellers ask y'all that, I get it. Y'all don't want to act like y'all did shit. But you had to do something. Because mm -hmm. like Dean just said, you could be in the right place and be trash. Like, if yeah. you're in the right place, that don't mean you, you like, no, you did shit. You worked. You worked hard. You earned what you got. You deserved what you got. What did you do? You right. know, it's a lot of young sellers that when it, I remember being a young seller, I remember I asked my EM1, I'm like, hey, dude, like, because he made like EM1 and what we believe to be a short period of time. How'd you do it? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, I just got lucky, man. No, you Shut didn't. Like, you, right. you, you're a technical expert. <laughs> you did shit. Stop yeah. doing that fake humble. I, I really hate that fake humble shit. Like, yeah. and I know it's somebody listening that's probably fake humble. Right. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Be hey, honest. Fake humble motherfuckers. Yeah. Go Be fuck for yourself. Real. He said it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. there for your hard work. Own that shit and inspire somebody else. Yeah. Don't just be like, yo, I got lucky. Yeah, fuck, man. You know, I just so happened. I don't know yeah. how I made it on all those advancement exams. Yeah. Hey, and, um, you know, to that point, man, I think that, you know, you owe it to those guys and gals, right? Yeah. You owe it to them. You owe it to them. Like if, if, if some young second class comes and is like, hey, man, Master Chief, I read your bio. Like, what the fuck did you do? And, and you're dismissive. Like, bruh, they must have been like scraping the bottom of the barrel. I don't fucking know. You can make a joke out of it, right? But then they're asking. They're asking. And if they're asking, then take that time, right? Take that time. And yeah, look, dude, if you ask my chiefs at SRF, they, they, they'd probably laugh at me, right? But I live by my schedule. I live by Outlook, dude, when I'm at work. And, um, you know, there, there, are, there are five minute seg segments, right? Like, yeah, you know, I can have a five minute conversation with you in the P way, and those are important, right? But 
if I'm going to really like give you some, some knowledge, then, hey, you know what, man? I got an answer for you. Come here. Let me pull up my calendar. Uh, come see me, you know, Thursday at 1430. I'm going to give us 45 minutes. And then, and then I'm closing the door. Mm. Everybody can see that it's on my calendar. And I'm giving dedicated time to that person where I'm not I, I, like everything else is, is gone. I'm not doing anything, but we're sitting down and we're talking about what it is that you want to get from me. Um, and I do the same thing with check-ins. I do the same thing with checkouts. Like, you know, even cheese to drive by like with their checkout sheet, like, Hey bro, um, you got time? Like, no, that's not how we do it, bro. Like I do have time, but we're going to make time to do this. Not yeah. a fucking, a fucking drive by. You know what I mean? So yeah. anyways, that's yeah. just and how it, I look yeah. at it. Yeah. And it, cause it makes it seem like it's, I know people think they being cool and humble, but it makes it seem unattainable. Yeah. Like, oh shit, yeah. all right, so all I gotta do is just get lucky like six yeah. different times and yeah. I'll be a master chief <laughs> in 15 years as well. Like, you know, so, yeah. you know, it, 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 it was another point I had with it, but I forgot the point. But that, that's like, that's, that's like one of my big rants, man. Like, stop that. Like, it's yeah. people that's actually looking for some inspiration, man. They right. want to know what you did, actually. Yeah. Uh, right. Do you feel like the SAA community is separate <laughs> from the mess? Is that two different communities? You're talking about our senior, our, our uh, like, CMC, Command Senior Chief community? Yeah, I know that came quick, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah, two? Yeah. Is, I is, mean... Is the mess look, one community? Yeah, so, um, no. Okay. I mean, I'll keep it 100, right? Like. I say that, and now I'm going to explain it, okay? Um, once you're screened into the Command Senior Chief, Command Master Chief program, first of all, you're screened in, right? Meaning that board, the, like, that package is reviewed by a lot of people. It's endorsed by typically a Force Master Chief that says that, you know, that you're a suitable candidate. They typically rank those packages. And so, like, mm-hmm. when I submitted in Hawaii, the first year I didn't pick up, right? The second year I put in, and I had it endorsed by Suze Whitman. I had it endorsed by David Carter. Um, and I picked up, and I had, like, documented time in the seat. So all of that is to say that, like, when you're screened into that program, you are a, a separate segment from the Chiefs mess at large, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, where people get sideways is when they forget where they came from and they forget that at the end of the fucking day, you're still a chief. Right. Yeah. And there are some out there that do that. And I'm not throwing stones, man. I'm not throwing darts at anybody. That's not what I'm doing here. Right. I think if we're all looking in the mirror and and being honest with ourselves as, as CMC is like, yeah, you've got a different, uh, special trust and responsibility. Okay. Like I can go home tomorrow. Okay. Like, uh, I serve at the leisure of my commanding officer. And if my CO says like loss of confidence, I ain't working with this fucking clown anymore. Um, you know, that's it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap on a career. Right. And so you sign up yeah. for that. When you sign up for that, you, you know, going into it, that that's what it is. Now it's pretty fucking hard to get fired. Okay. <laughs> like, let's be real about yeah. it. Okay. You gotta be, you gotta do some real dumb shit to get fired as a CMC. Okay. Um, because that special trust is given to you that you are going to always do your best, that you're always going to, you know, act ethically and responsibly in the best interest of the Navy and of the command. And so like that, that trust is given to, to CMCs and, and command senior chiefs. Right. And so mm-hmm. like 
if, if you see CMCs getting fired, it's because they typically did some unethical, illegal, immoral type shit, right? And so then that trust is gone. And once the trust is gone, like you have no, you have no, you know, abuse anymore, honestly, right? If the Navy can't trust you, then you can't be a command master chief. That's period. Period. End story. Fucking dot. Stop. Right. So are they two different communities? Yeah, they are. Right. Um, but it's like saying, it's like saying, um, you know, a pin oak and a white oak are two different things. They are. Yeah. But they're both it's fucking big ass oak trees. Right. Yeah. So command senior chiefs, command mass chiefs are a different community inside of the fucking chief's mess. Anytime that people lose sight of that, things happen like, you know, Mick Giordano, right? Once you yeah. lose sight of the fact that you are still a chief and that you have to, you know, remain humble and behave and, and you know, conduct yourself as a chief petty officer, even though you're in this, you know, huge position now, Mick Pond, Forest Fleet, Command Master Chief, whatever it is, when you lose sight of the fact that you're still a chief, that's when you get fucking off the rails and that's when you get sideways. Yeah. It's uh something that recently happened to me, my dumbass, was a CMC like pulled me and like showed me an org chart and showed mm-hmm. me where the CMC stays on an org chart. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my dumbass, I never realized that the CMC was completely outside of the chain of command mm-hmm. on the organizational chart. Like that's right. It's not a part of the chain of command. And it was it was cool uh like learning that lesson. And I know it's a lot of young sellers that yeah. probably don't even understand that. That's a good point. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, it's not even much young sellers, man. There's a lot of chiefs that don't understand that. You know? Yeah. Um Asking in my chiefs, right? Whether it was in Hawaii or McCampbell or Masawa or now at SRF. And one of the first conversations I have with them is I tell them, like, I'm not in your chain of command. And they're like, yeah. You get a lot of these looks, right? Like, the fuck? I'm not in your chain of command, bro. Um, I am here as an advisor to the commanding officer. I'm here as an advisor and mentor to you. And I'm here to ensure that there's a good culture in this command. That's my job, right? And then I tell my department heads, I will never direct your chiefs to do anything unless I've told you prior. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at that org chart, right? Our division LCPO reports to who? Our division, Divo, that's <laughs> eh, kind of a fake job. Mm-hmm. DCA, right? Okay. Who reports yeah. to who? The Chang. Who reports to who? Mm-hmm. The commanding officer, right? XO, yeah, XO's in there, right? XO's running the day to day. But at the end of the day, that department head, his obligation is to the CO. Yeah. And so that operational chain of command flows from the division up through the CO, and then the CMC is over to the side, right? Intentionally, the CMC is there to do what needs to be done to make sure that command operates efficiently and effectively, right? Sometimes that means you're the enforcer. Sometimes that means you're the cheerleader. Sometimes that means you're the counselor. Sometimes that means you're the chaplain. Same thing that chiefs do, but just on a command scale, right? And you're doing it for the CO. 
Like yeah. if any, any CMC that's worth their salt, the same mentorship that they're giving to their chief's mess, they're also giving that same mentorship to the department heads, to the XO, to the CO, right? And yeah. the good COs, XOs, department heads are receptive to that mentorship. Right. Yeah, and that's solicited and unsolicited and unsolicited. Right? Sometimes, man. <laughs> yeah, I had a lieutenant check in with me yesterday, right? And he came from the sub community. Sub community looks at it a little differently, right? They have chiefs of the boat, COBS, and COBS are actually in that, you know, they're in that chain of command, right? Like they uh-huh. stand watch. It's different, right? But, um, you know, the, the, uh, the lieutenant, he looked at the check in sheet and it says, like, CMC in parentheses enlisted only, right? He's like, that seemed kind of odd to me. I was like, look, I left it that way, and here's why. I don't require officers to check in with me. You don't have to, right? I want you to, but I want you to want to. I want you to come see me because it's value added. I don't want you to feel like you are required to check in with me because guess what? You're fucking not. You're an officer, right? But if you have a good culture and you make yourself value added inside of a command, then those young officers want to come talk to you. They want to check in with you. They want to close the door and ask for your, your advice and mentorship, right? The same way the chiefs do different conversations, right? Um, different approach to both things, but you want everybody in the command as a CMC to feel comfortable coming to your office to ask for help and knowing that they're going to get some help, maybe not resolution, but at least advice on what they can do to move forward. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, what's your assessment on the state of the current state of the SEA community? Um, I think that, yeah. So when I joined the program, so we're keeping it 100, man. Like I had some shitty CMCs as a chief. Yeah. Right. I had some, I like, I was pretty fucking disillusioned with the program. I was like a lot of chiefs and senior chiefs are, I think. Right. And it's because yeah. I had had some bad fucking CMCs. Right. And, and then I got to Hawaii. Well, not, no, I'll take that back on Fitzgerald, Josh Davis. If you don't know Josh Davis. He's six foot fucking nine, like a full LeBron James, six foot nine. Right. And they sent his fucking big ass to be the CMC on Fitz after we had just fired a, a CMC, right? Yeah. And up to that point, I'd had some pretty bad ones, man. And then Josh Davis shows up, and he, to this day, is the best CMC I've ever had. I mean, he was fantastic, yeah. dude. And, and so that changed my perception, right? And so, um, but still, I remembered those bad ones I'd had. And so a big part of me putting in for the program was, me thinking to myself, I can do this better. I can do it better, man. I can do it better than like those bad examples that I've had, right? Yeah. Looking at Josh and how he did business, I was like, man, I, I, can, I can do this and I can do it better than, I won't name names, this person, this person, this person, right? And bro, like McCampbell, my first tour was a fucking struggle. I'm being 100. Anybody that worked for me knows it, it, it was a culmination of things, right? It was the schedule. It was on the heels of Fitz and McCain. There was some grief in the chain of command. I mean, you know, we DFC'd an XO. We DFC'd some chiefs. We DFC'd some fucking department heads. Like, it was, it was rough, right? But we made it through. I didn't get fucking fired, right? Um, and uh, 
the state of the of the program right now, I think it's healthier than it's been in a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're blessed right now to have a real one, a fucking real one in James Honey leading the mess. This isn't a hit on on Russ. Russ was great. Russ was very well versed in, you know, the DC um goings about, right? Like he was very yeah. comfortable on the hill and things like that. Um, but Jay, Jim Honey is a real motherfucker, man. And he sets a great example for us right now. And so if you've got everybody down from him, all the forces, all the fleets, all the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the CMCs that work for the, the numbered fleet admirals and yeah. all the way down to me working at SRFJ RMC, right? Like it's just like any other organization. Like I look and like, okay, so that's, that's daddy chief. Now see how he's doing business. I see what his left and right boundaries are. I see what his priorities are. I see how he conducts himself. That's the example. Well, then I better conform to what the example is. And that's powerful, man. That's powerful. That's the power of fucking example and leadership, right? And so I think that not just because of him, but I think him being hired as our MCPON is indicative of kind of where the CMC program is and, and, and where we want to go, right? Um, we, don't, we don't need to act like fucking admirals and officers. We're fucking chiefs. So fucking act like chiefs. Give it real, man. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and, and stop playing these fucking, you know, political fucking fuck fuck games. Stop being afraid of, of like, I'm going to get fired if I say something. Bitch, okay, get fired. Go home, right? If you're going to get fired because you said something, um, but you're, but all of your all of your credibility is 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 like 100. You said some crazy shit, and the Navy says go home. Hey, fuck it. Oh well, don't be mad about it. Yeah. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So I don't. I think we're in a good place. Is my point? Yeah. So if you said like I want everybody to clap like we had a strip club, I I listened to that on the other one, man. <laughs> Got it. You might have to slide, man. You ain't had to hey, go, yeah. but it's all hey, good, baby. Hey, ask anybody that was on McCampbell with me. I heard that. I was like, damn, that motherfucker got fired for that? Yeah, yeah. He was ready to go. He was, you know, because he left. He was ready. He's like, hey, look, it's time for me to cash these chips in. Hey, but so we we, we yeah. talked about the the state, your assessment on a state of uh, senior enlisted yeah. community. What about the mess as a whole? So we get, man, we get dragged on social media. Um, Sometimes I'm down in the dumps, man. I look at all the memes and sometimes I get hurt because yeah. it's like yeah. I'm on the scene. Like I'm a member Yo, yeah. like, I feel like any, and this is like just who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. I want any team I'm on to be the best fucking team there is, you know? And yeah. I just look at the mess get like shitted on, like, oh, yeah. you know, um, through social media or even like sometimes when you talk to sellers, sometimes even when I see sellers, like, and they never met me before, yeah. I like see it in their eyes. Like, yo, this is senior chief. He's looking to like fuck me over some kind of way. Like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. We just in the elevator yeah. together. We both, we both going to three. Like, 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 but, um, what, what's your thoughts on just the state of the mess as a whole right now? Yeah. Yeah. So I like to consider myself a bit of a, a CPO theorist. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've been a chief since 2008, bro. Right. Let's, let's just think about that. Right. And, um, bye girls. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> I actually live in this house. Um, but anyways, uh, so I consider myself a little bit of a theorist, right? I've been doing this since 2008, and I'll tell everybody, right? Like I said at the beginning, I made chief at seven. 
I barely remember not being a chief, right? My experience in the Navy has been as a chief, okay? And I tell you that to, to say it like this. We, over the last, what are we at, 128, 129 years, whatever it is, right? Okay? Since 1893. Over time, we have done this to ourselves. Okay? And what I mean is, we have taken on additional responsibility. We have put ourselves in the, in the gap between officers and, and junior enlisted. We have made ourselves to be, you know, the end-all, be-all, the most important. You know, these ships put to sea on the back of Navy chiefs, said Admiral Nimitz, right? Like, okay, so we did this to ourselves. Over time, it wasn't like this, you know, all of a sudden we flipped the light switch and now we have a chief's mess that is the envy of every senior enlisted organization in the military. It wasn't that, right? Like, over time, we took on all these responsibilities. We, we you know, inflated what it meant to be a Navy chief. And so we kind of put ourselves in this spot where we have this huge expectation, okay? And not everybody's living up to it, okay? Mm. And, oh, by the way, the old way of doing things ain't going to work. It's not going to work, man, right? It's not going to fucking work, dude. Like, yeah, there's a time when you're like, hey, get your ass over here. Yeah, that's available, right? Raising your voices to chief, giving them the fucking hard love, the, the fan room counseling, right? Figuratively. Yeah, those yeah. things are available. But that's got to be like few and far between, bro. Like, it doesn't work. It doesn't fucking work. It doesn't work anymore, you know? I've got my own thoughts on this. I think part of it is less and less kids are playing sports. Right, less and less kids are are doing hard things. They're they're not coming up in a hard environment, and so they never had a coach yell at them. Right when I came in the Navy, Chief was like, "How get your ass over here?" I was like, "Oh shit, I know how to respond to this. What are we doing? We running suicides? What are we doing? Right? We doing drills? You know what I'm saying?" Um, and there's still some of us, like some you know young guys that respond well to that stuff because that's the way they came up. Like they need a coach, right? They need somebody to be hard on them. But I'd say that's that's like a very small minority of sailors these days. And that's not to say that like these other people are like pussies or whatever. That's not what I'm saying, right? What I'm saying is that just hasn't been their experience. And so there's different ways to motivate them, right? There's different different ways to inspire them. And I think that we as a chief's mess have to really examine our leadership style. Okay. And 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 guess what? This organization is too big. Like, you know, the Navy can set some parameters and say, here is what we expect from the chief's mess. But that's already available, man, right? Treat people with dignity and respect, do, you know, make ethical decisions, don't do anything illegal, immoral, unsafe, right? Like the Navy has told us what they want us to do. And so then it has to happen at the unit level. And then it has to happen at the divisional level. And then it has to happen at the fucking individual level, right? And so every chief has to commit to themselves that, like, okay, I need, these collection of people, and I always pick on RDiv, man. I'm sorry. I, I love, I love fucking RDiv, right? Like those are my, those are my dudes, right? Ever since my Essex days, that's who I went <laughs> drinking with. That's my boys, right? But like, yeah. if I'm the R division fucking LCPO and I got a bunch of knucklehead ass fucking HT and DC men, okay, what do I got to do to inspire, motivate, 
these people to get the thing done that I need to get done. It could be maintenance. It could be drills. It could be fucking sweeping a goddamn P-Way, right? Okay. Like, I got to figure out how to do that as a chief. And I have to understand that, like, it's not a cookie cutter approach. Every single sailor in there is different. Everyone is motivated differently. At the end of the day, you got to build a team, right? And I think that that is, there's some chiefs that are really good at it, right? There's some that are not so good at it. And as a mess, we have to circle around. And this is all, this is all just like basic shit, right? That we teach during the season. But like, we have to circle around those chiefs that we see that, that maybe don't have quite that, that high level leadership skill to be able to, to get a team to move forward together, right? Um, it's never going to be perfect, man, right? But I do think that as a mess, we have to like take a look in the mirror um, and, and acknowledge that like the old ways aren't, aren't going to work you know, with, this, with this group of people. We have to acknowledge that and then figure out new ways to do it, right? And again, the Navy's not going to tell us how to do that. That has to happen at the unit level, right? At the command level, like, and then at the divisional level, all the way down to the individual level. And maybe that's what the Navy needs to say is like, hey, you need to take a more tailored leadership approach to each of these people that you have in your division. Make mission the primary thing, but you have to take care of each one of those people to ensure that they're going to do the mission. They got to want to do it, right? And um, yeah. so I don't know, man. I think, you know, long answer to a short question. I think that we're in a good spot still. The Chiefs Mess is the envy of every fucking senior enlisted corps across all the militaries. Trust me, man. The Air Force wishes they had a fucking Chiefs Mess. I'm telling yeah. you they do, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, we're our own biggest critic and we're not all fucked up. Not even close, man. Like, we're still making shit happen, right? But if we want to continue to be um, what we think of as a Chiefs Mess, then we need to self-assess you know, lay down some groundwork on how we're going to get better. Like, that's not saying that you're bad. That's saying I want to be better, right? And that, I think that's probably what we need to do, right? And that's okay. Like, that's that's a good thing, you know? I, I also think uh, adapting, man. Yeah. I, I think that's a big that's a big thing for me, right? There. I'm always talking about, you know, you got to be able to adapt, right? And yeah. I came up in old school. I came in 98 too, so I came in old school. And me and Dumbo always talk about this, like, I was one of those guys, they chief say something, I'm running. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's what it is. But I have learned over the years, man, you have to adapt to the to, to sailors. You can't just run out there saying this and saying that no more like you, like mm-hmm. you used to. But I, I got a quick question for you, Dean, because I'm listening to you talk. This wasn't one of my topics either, one of my questions for you. But I like to know, man, when you come into the mess for the first time, man, when you go to another command, what's your message to um, the mess when you come in there? Yeah, so um, I'll tell you, man, when I got to McCampbell, I was just coming out of like CMC cop school and it's some pretty high level stuff there. You talk a lot about like emotional intelligence. It's kind of like the enlisted leader development program that we do for our sailors and, you know, on a higher, a little bit higher level, right? So you got COs, XOs, PCOs, PXOs, PCMCs. They're all in that class together. You run through scenarios and it's a great class, first of all, like uh, fucking fantastic, right? But you know, it's very cerebral. And so, like, when I got to McCampbell, man, I, look, bro, I got, like, the whiteboard. And, and like, I'm kind, of a, a, I'm kind of a big thinker anyways, right? So, like, I'm putting all this really, like, important shit in my mind up on the board. And um, 
you know, if you ask anybody that was there, it probably fell pretty flat. <laughs> I was like, okay, bro, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's cool. I like your fucking like, you know, diagram up there, but like, uh, and then what? Right. Like it, we're in the basic phase. Yeah. We just failed LOA. Like you got anything for that? You know? So, um, but you live and you learn, right? So, um, I'll tell you, man, Greg Vidari. So I don't know if y'all know Greg Vidari. He retired recently. He was the, the CNIC force mass chief. And um, he was my CMC in Hawaii. He relieved David Carter in Hawaii. And I'll never forget like his first meeting, right? He came in. We were all sitting there in the conference room. And he was like, here's my expectations. I expect that you're going to do your job. You're a chief. So do your job. and inspections belong to chiefs. So if we have an inspection and it's yours, I expect that you're going to do well on it. And he didn't say, and if you don't, he didn't follow it up with that, right? And if you don't, I'm going to fuck you, right? It wasn't that. It was, we have an inspection and you're in charge of it. My expectation is it's your job and you're going to do well on it. Any questions? I was like, God damn, okay. Um, now, as you can tell, I'm not that short-winded, right? I like to talk a little bit. Okay. Um, but I took that and I, I thought to myself, like, okay, like nobody wants to hear me fucking bloviate and talk about what's important to me and blah, 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 blah. Right. So typically, like, let's say when I checked into SRF, initially my thought was I need to go in there and tell them what my expectations are fucking day two. But having done this a few times now, usually I wait about 10 days, two weeks. I observe. I see what's going on, right? And then when I go and talk to the mess, I'm prepared. I may not know everything, all the all the the warts of the command, the good, the bad, the ugly. I don't know all that, right? But I got a vibe. I got a vibe, right? And I can tell if we're taking care of sailors. I can tell if we're upholding our responsibility as chiefs. I can tell if we have a good relationship with the the CO. I can tell if you know, we're behaving ourselves on liberty as a mess, right? And so I like to give it a little time, not too long, a couple of weeks. And then when I go in, I, you know, that's what I tell them. Okay, I've been here a couple of weeks. Here's what I observe. I'm doing good on this, 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 and this. Here's some things that I'm, I have questions on. I'm not saying we're doing it bad, but I have some questions on this, 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 this. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, this. Um, I think I agree with you there. Or, yeah, you're right, we're not doing good here, but it's because fucking numb nuts told us we have to do this. And so when I go into that first meeting now, I give a short assessment of where I think that we're at. We're at. It's not a comprehensive assessment. It's just kind of like a vibe, right? Like, I feel like we're doing good. Am I wrong? Right? And then I don't allow it to become like a bitch session, but that is an opportunity. And, I, you know, this is a, a nice hour and a half, two hour session. If you got to leave, leave. But if you need to stay and tell me some shit, and let's, let's talk about it, right? And that's the opportunity for me to say what I think about the command. Here's my impression. And then tell me what I'm missing, right? And I'm taking notes. And I'm taking notes. And I'm taking notes, right? And then from that meeting, I'm able to go find out what the bottom truth is about the things that they're telling me are bad, right? At the end of the day, just kind of like that conversation that we talked about before, like, my job in a command is not to, quote unquote, necessarily lead the mess. Okay. My job is to coach and mentor the mess. Right. Mm. 
I've got an association president that's going to talk about fundraising, events, mm-hmm. swag. Hey, man, like, tell me how to support. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be an advisor to that, right? But I'm not getting in that business, right? I'll pay my dues. You know, I'm, I'm a part of the association. I'm a voting member, and that's it, right? Um, separate from that, man, I'm there to mentor and coach the individual chiefs in that mess, and then to mentor and coach that organization. In order to do that effectively, I have to hear what they see as, as like the problems. And then I have to, you know, not have my pride attached to my sleeve that says, well, you're saying the command's all fucked up. Well, that reflects on me. Yeah. Okay. It's all fucked up and I did something to contribute to that. Then I need to fix it. And I need to acknowledge that to you in the mess. Right. So yeah, that first, that first meeting man is not as, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not a fucking, you know, um, What's old boy's name in fucking Gladiator, right? Like, it ain't that. Like, I, I ain't standing up like, yeah. you know, with a fucking S on my chest telling them that I'm going to lead them into the fucking promised land. It ain't that, dude, because chiefs don't believe that shit, right? It's yeah, more, yeah. hey, dude, here's what I assess. Tell me what I'm missing. And let's fucking work together to make this thing better. It's never going to be perfect, but, but we can always make it better, right? Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of how I approach it, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I always look at like two ways. You're either coming somewhere where like the person before you like is loved by all and will be missed uh, mm-hmm. and like nobody knows what the hell you're going to do. Are you coming somewhere where it's like shit sucks? <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm saying? So you. Either way, it's an uphill. Like, am I just the way I assess things? Either yeah. way, it's like some form of uphill climb when it comes to your people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I... Like I want to talk about what you're doing like right now. Uh-huh. Hey, Dave, you got any more Navy? You got any more Navy uh, questions? Well, I got one on, more, man. One man. more. One more. Let's do one more Navy. Just thing. one Come more, on. man. Just one more. What's up? Um, because I like I like some juicy shit, man. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's like some real juicy shit. I want to ask uh-huh. you as a CMC <laughs> man. I need one of them juicy stories, man. Something that oh, happened bro. that you was like, what the fuck is this shit? Okay. Yeah. I'm game. I'm game. Okay, so first of all, uh, I heard the conversation about the CMC down in Sasebo that like killed his family. Like, I remember that shit, right? Yeah, I was young. That's probably the first class at the time. Um, I didn't know him personally, but I knew of him, and that was one of the wilder fucking stories ever. Uh, the one that you know you guys talked about a few episodes ago, right? Yeah, yeah, that shit was wild. Okay. But for me, um, man, it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday on McCampbell. And I'm at home. And uh, let me frame it this way. And this was all in the news. So this isn't like anything that I'm putting out there that hadn't been put out there, right? Around that time, some of the sailors, specifically uh, sailors in reactor department on Reagan, were running an LSD ring. Mm. You ever hear about that? Mm. Yeah. So Crazy. they were like making LSD. Smart motherfuckers, right? Making acid. Okay. Crazy. And it wasn't just that. In Japan, usually you don't have to worry about drugs. Um, but there was this time in like 2018 where NCIS was really kind of like getting their, you know, earning their paycheck, right? It was that. There was some coke floating around there was some meth floating around and it was kind of permeating some of the the population of the base 
those those are like stateside problems, quite frankly, man. Like you normally yeah, yeah, don't yeah. have to worry yeah. about that shit here in Japan. But at that time period, it was it was kind of a thing, and um, we were aware of it. And um, so I, it's Sunday, right? And I get a call, and uh, and it was, and I I won't say his name, obviously, but his young E three. He's like, you know, let's just call him Seaman Smith, right? He's like, uh, Dean is like, you know, section leader, Dean uh, Seaman Smith, um, just OD'd. Uh, he was on duty. He just OD'd in the birthing. He's uh, on his way to the hospital. Um, oh, fuck. Okay. So CDO had called the captain. I was like, hey, I'll meet you at the hospital, right? Um, and, uh, and so we go to the hospital. Uh, he had OD'd on, like, basically MDMA, like, just taking too much Molly, right? And uh, on, on duty, this fucking guy, right? Anyways, they fucking revive him, um, and uh, he he ended up like losing, uh, you know, a lot of movement in the left part of his body because he had had kind of almost like a stroke because of it, right? That was yeah. kind of down the road once he was, you know, um, revived and he he was in a coma for a hot minute. We had to call and do like the casualty, you know, call to his his grandparents. Um, so that was like the scenario, right? I got a sailor fucking OD in the birthing. Um, you know, he, he died and had to be revived at, at the hospital. Uh, and that's just the scenario, right? And then you start. So now there's drugs involved. So there's an investigation, bro. Uh, so some stuff came out in the wash pretty quickly. Like, Hey, you might have some more shit on board, bro. Let me tell you something. We got fucking military working dolls on the camel. How about that? Mm. Right. And so it was unannounced. The CO and XO and I had talked about it. We had contacted security. We knew when they were coming. When they showed up on the pier, I got on the 1MC. I was like, hey, everybody stop what you're doing. Go to the mess decks or go to the pier. I need everybody out of birthings right now. And I said, I told the chiefs like five minutes before. They went and got everybody, moved them out of the birthing spaces. And for the next two hours, I had motherfucking MWD on that ship sniffing for fucking drugs, right? Uh, and they cleared the ship. I didn't have any. Thank God I didn't have anything on the ship, right? But you want to talk about like, hey, and 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 I, if I had found something, then we would have taken action. But more than anything, it was a point to the crew. Like, bring that shit on my fucking ship. Bring that shit yeah. on my ship. I'm willing. I'm going to show you the fucking, the measures that I'm willing to fucking take to make sure that you go the fuck home to wherever you're from, right? And uh, long story short, this kid, um, as we did the investigation and everything, he had a fucking apartment in Rapungi, bro. He had an apartment in mm. Rapungi, and like every weekend, man, if he didn't have duty, he had like a live-in like boyfriend, and they were like smoking meth and doing. I mean, it was a fucking disaster. Let's just put it that way. It was a disaster, right? And uh, I don't know what he's doing now, man, but I know we sent him back for treatment, right? He was adsept, obviously. He sent him back for treatment. He did like inpatient treatment. And uh, do you know that that motherfucker, man, like the day he got out of inpatient treatment, he fucking <laughs> he wrapped his fucking car around the telephone pole in San Diego. Like uh, he survived, right? But um, he was like a true addict. And that happened right here in Japan, which doesn't like almost never yeah. fucking. It's the only time I've ever heard of it, right? And uh, yeah, man, it wasn't a lot of fun. It, honestly, it wasn't a lot of fun. I can laugh about it a little bit. Yeah, One crazy. of the chiefs yeah. I'll never forget, man. 
we were talking about it months later in the mess. We were laughing. He's like, yo, bro. Like when I, like I had him on the fucking litter, like pushing him up the fucking ladder. Well, that motherfucker's feet smell like fucking death, bro. Like, <laughs> like I thought he was dead for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, man, that, I think that, and that wasn't even the biggest one, but that was definitely one that stands out in my mind for yeah. my first tour. Yeah. So. Yeah, I laugh at I laugh at my own pain. So I, I like I don't like whenever people I think they're used to it now, hopefully the listeners they're used to it now. So, you know, we you gotta take life and in my opinion, you gotta take life and jest. Yeah. I got so I got some random stuff. Okay. Uh just I got some random stuff. Uh the first one is I heard on one of your episodes, the biggest enemy to a great life is a good life. Yeah. And that shit was that's probably the best shit that I heard Bruh. like deep in, in these years. Uh period. That's one of the best her name, uh Ashley uh Ashley DeChico. Ashley DeChico. Yep. Ashley DeChico's dope, yep. man. That's dope. One of the best episodes that Great I've heard. Great episode, bro. Any any podcast uh this year. So I urge everybody to go listen to that. I mean, she was dope. Uh it was almost like, man, like like you could just sit back. Like she was, she, she was killing it, man. Like cruise yeah. control. And sometimes yeah. you get guests. Sometimes you get guests like that. We're going to talk about podcasting a little bit in a second, yeah. but, um, the biggest enemy to a great life is a good life. Yeah. Um, what's, what's your great life vision? Brother, man. I, so this is one of those things that I'm, I'm doing now that I, I probably haven't done in my life. Like, you know, there are some things that I'm trying to change in my life. And, and one of them is that I'm trying to visualize. Okay. Yeah. And again, man, there's some real woo woo shit. Okay. But it's working. How's that? Okay. So when you dedicate time and for me right now, it's five minutes. I can't go more than five minutes. My brain starts like going other places. Right. It's kind of like meditation, right? So maybe if wherever your quiet spot is, wherever you're not going to be bothered. For me, it's the sauna, right? And so in the sauna for, for five minutes, I dedicate five minutes to visualization. And I try to imagine everything about the life that I want. I imagine the, the truck I'm going to drive. I imagine the house I'm going to live in. I imagine the classes that I'm going to, to lead at my spaceship. In Texas, and when I say spaceship, I mean a warehouse with a gym and a podcast studio and a sauna and a cold plunge and a classrooms and right, like I imagine that, and and like I try to like imagine the faces of the people that are going to be there, and I try to try to imagine the you know the guests that I'm going to have that are going to fly in, and hey, you know this this Saturday. Um, you know, the host of the, you know, permission to speak freely podcast going to come in and, and talk about their experience with starting a podcast. Right. And it's mm-hmm. a two hour session and, you know, cost of, uh, of entry is free for this one or, or whatever. Right. And like, I don't have the details, but I imagine yeah. the details. Okay. And when Ashley said that, man, it's so simple, but man, it's like the fucking truth, right? Like, do I have a yeah, good life? Incredible. Fuck yeah, I got a good life, man. Beautiful kids, wonderful wife, great job, <laughs> make plenty of money, right? Um, status, I got status, right? Like um, th- th- those things, you know, 
they're fulfilling, right? It's a good life. It's not a great life, right? That great life that I want, I'm not going to let this good life get in the way of me getting there, right? Yeah. And so I think that um, that's the main thing is that you just got to visualize it, man. And, you know, it's going to feel weird the first time, you, you know, the first few times that you do it. The first few times that you're sitting there, you're going to feel like you're daydreaming. And we've been told our whole life, don't daydream. Like, stay, stay yeah. here. Focus on what's in front of you, right? Nah, bro, you got to daydream. Like when you're little kids, man, when you're a little kid and you, you, you know, you're dreaming about being a fucking astronaut and somebody tells you, hey, man, sorry, right? We talked about it on your last episode, the cream of the crop, or it wasn't the last one. It was been a while back, right? Like, you know, we're told at some point that we're not the cream of the crop. That's yeah. not for you. That's not available for you. I need you to have a, a steady paying job. I need you to have stability in your life. I need you to do this, this, all these responsibilities. Yeah, those things are important, right? And that's a good life. But if you want to get to that dream place, then you can't, you're not going to stumble into it. You're not going to wake up one day and find yourself in your dream life. That's not how it works, right? Yeah. You have to imagine it. You have to visualize it. And then if you do that consistently over time, it spurs you to, let me fucking take some notes, right? Let me, let me put together a daily, a weekly, a monthly, a quarterly, a yearly plan on how I'm going to get there in five years, right? But you yeah. got to imagine it first. You got to visualize it first. Yeah. Hey, I, I believe that the first great tragedy in life, right? I'm going to say this again because I think I'm going to clip it. <laughs> I believe it. that the first great tragedy in life is when you say you want to do some shit as a kid and somebody tells you that you can't do it. That's the yeah, first terrible. great mm. tragedy in life. If you, I remember like, hey, I want to be a lawyer. Uh, in order to, like all people doing is putting all of their failures as an adult, like all their life's failures as an adult onto a five-year-old. Yep. Like, no, you can't do it. Mm. Boom. That's the, to me, that's like the first time we fuck up yep. and we lose it because then we start to look at that as mm. reality or whatever. And we stop kind of realizing that we really, I believe that we speak things into existence. Mm -hmm. We determine our fate, like a lot of things like that. But when people start telling us what we can't do and we haven't even taken a step yet is, is fucking horrible. Um, yeah. that, that, you know, that's my, that's my thought on that. But I have something else that you said that's in the lines of that. Ask the people that you think will say no. Yeah. Yeah. That moved me too, man. Yeah. That moved me too. Um, that's a really good, like, I mean, I don't even know what to say, but that's a really good way. Cause a lot of times we, we get to that point and I don't know if it's imposter syndrome or it's just you mm -hmm. thinking like strategically, like, no, I'm right here. This person yeah. will not say yes yet. There's yeah. no reason for me to reach out to do this, to do that. But you say, yeah. ask the people that you think, and one of your podcasts, you even said like, Hey, I just cold called you. Mm -hmm. And like you said, yes, you agree to it. You know, yeah. that's just dope. Because then it elevates you and it does, you know, it puts you in places that you know that you could be in. But if you never take the step up because you don't think you belong there, then you never get there. Yeah, bro. I just real quick, let me anchor on that. And I won't go long here, I promise. But so, you know, for the listeners, my first cold call was to Sean Whalen. If you don't know who Sean Whalen is, look him up. He's doing big shit, right? Um, and I reached out and I kind of laid it out, you know. In the DMs on Instagram. 
Yeah. And when he replied, let's do it. I was like, oh, shit. Right. And so then I asked Hannah Eden. She was like, I'd love to. Right. And then she connected me to Matt Vincent. He's like, what's up, bro? Let's ride. And he's from Louisiana, too. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh-huh. two points to make on this. Number one, like um, those things that you want to do, you have to take action. And the universe will provide them for you. If you're in a place, if you're prepared, if you're ready, then the universe, God, Jesus, whoever the fuck, right, whatever, right? If you're in, if you're situated and you're ready, right? I was ready to have that podcast with Hannah Eden. And the universe allowed her to look in her DMs, read my story, and say, absolutely, I'd love to, right? Yeah. So that's number one. The second part is, we have this image of people that maybe they have a huge following or maybe they're famous or maybe they are this huge business person, entrepreneur, whatever. They have a fucking car collection. They live in the big house. Uh, they got a million followers on Instagram. Man, guess what, bro? Like, you're a fucking, like, y'all are fucking senior chiefs in the United States Navy. I'm yeah. a fucking command mass chief. And I, 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 I mean, like, I, I, I'm gonna say it, but it's gonna sound fucked up, whatever. Like, yo, I'm a bad motherfucker, right? Like, I deserve that conversation. They're not any different from me. They are a human being that has gone through trials and tribulations and worked their ass off to get where they are. It didn't happen by chance, right? And like, why should I be ashamed? or embarrassed or hesitant to ask them to have a conversation with me. Right. Yeah. Like they are probably going to learn something from me too. benefit from that. Yeah. Right. And so we can't be afraid to ask those people that we think will say no. Matter of fact, the biggest person that you think will say no, that's the one you need to go after. If like, whether it's podcasting, whether it's a business venture, whether it's advice, whether it's whatever, a phone call, um, whether it's coming to speak at an event that you're going to have, like whoever that person is, like shit, man, I bet you President Obama. I wonder how I get in touch with him. If I figure out how I can get a fucking letter to him, right? I'll ask. I'll fucking ask, right? Because I have the gumption, right? And the people that don't have, you know, that ability or that willingness to take a risk, guess what they're going to get? Nothing. Right. So don't be afraid to fucking ask, man. What I'm going to say? No. Yeah. Okay. I've been told no lots of times. Every fucking day I get told no. Right. It is what it is. But if they say yes, but if they say yes, now you fucking got something. Right. So. Yeah. I had to shut up for a second because I know I'm going to clip that. <laughs> so, All right. so to the audience, I'm fucking around to the audience. I ain't gonna say that no more. I'm, I'm messing with y'all. I'm sorry. I'm messing with y'all. Yeah. Damon looks supercharged up. Like that's the type of shit that get David blood or I saw. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got a oh, funny yeah. joke. Oh, I can't yeah. say oh, it yeah. right oh, now because yeah. it's not. It's, it's three guys. Yeah. I can't say what I want to say. But Damon's blood is warm. He like he got fired up off that shit. I can tell, man. I can tell. But um, no, question, just saying, man. Hey, he got a little chub in his pants. It's all good. I was gonna say it way different. I was gonna say it way different. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. Um hold fast. Hold What's fast. hold fast? Hold fast, bro. So this is this is the title of the book that I'm working on. And it's also 
what I've written in charge books for probably the last 10 years or so. Yeah. So hold fast is an acronym. Let's talk about hold fast real quick. And I won't, man, I could go on for an hour on this one, bro. But <laughs> so if we talk about hold fast, right? If we think about being on the USS Constitution, I'm going into fucking battle against the uh, HMS Guerrero, right? Back in the day, we have this idea that like the ships, well, you know, it's like battleship, like they, they're volleying, they're shooting cannons at each other and like whoever sinks the other ship, then they win and then, you know, it's all good, right? No, man, like they're selling in within like 25 yards of each other, right? Like they can see the motherfuckers on the deck over there, okay? And then they're letting loose a fucking full broadside. The idea is I'm going to kill as many motherfuckers on that ship as I possibly can until they give up. They fly the fucking white flag and then I'm going to take their shit and I'm going to sell it back home and I'm going to get paid for it, right? Like that was battle in 1812, right? Oh, by the way, there ain't no motors on these motherfuckers, right? We ain't got no fucking gas turbines. There ain't no engines. There ain't no steam plant. And so how do you steer that ship? By the fucking wind. And how do you catch the wind in a sail? And who's fucking manipulating those sails? Those fucking deckhands, right? And so the captain, he knows the maneuver that he's trying to pull, and he'll tell them, hold fast. And so every one of those deckhands, they're not tying it off. They're holding on to that motherfucker, right? To keep that sail just right so they can catch the wind, they can come in broadside and kill their enemies, okay? Hold fast. Hold on to that line. If you falter, we're going to fucking die, right? That's hold fast. We've probably seen it across people's knuckles, right? That's probably where everybody's seen it. People get hold fast tattooed across their knuckles. Well, yeah. that's a throwback to the early days of sail, right? Where people would get that tattooed across their knuckles because they had been in battle. Right. And they remembered what it meant to hold fast. Yeah. And so I frame hold fast in that way. Right. Like, you know, it's an analogy for all of us holding on to our responsibility and doing our fucking part. Right. And then it's an acronym. Okay. And I won't go into lengthy yeah, discussion about, about it, but yeah, here's the acronym. Right. H, have a plan. O, own what you own. L, lead from the front. D, do what's right. F, fix what's broken. A, ask questions. S, stay motivated. T, take your time. Okay? That, for me, has everything that you need to be an effective leader, to do well in your life. You can fit everything that you do into those categories, right? And it's something that you can remind yourself. When you're faced with fucking adversity, some bullshit's happening, you just tell yourself, hold fast, motherfucker, right? And that's the idea behind Hold Fast. Okay. And uh, yeah, book coming later this year. It'll be out there. It's all good. Yeah. Hey, um, ISO, real quick. Hey, for the listeners, check this out. If you so far like what you've been listening, I never do this shit, right? So I'm going to do it right quick, right? If you, if you like what you've been listening to right now, hit the like button. You know what I'm saying? If you feel like other people need to hear it, share it. Um, mm-hmm. If you feel like you like, what Dean does, if you listen to the Rising Sun podcast already, if you already listen to Permission Speak Freely, if you feel like you like what we do and you wonder, you know, yo, how come more people can't hear it? How come, you know, um, share it. Let like put it in the viewpoint of of more people. This is important, right? The way these I'm not gonna get too deep, but every single app that we use, whether it be YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. The engagement is what propels like the window to open for more people to see it. So if you love the pod and you love what you hear and you 
got this great thought in mind that the next time I see Damo, I'm going to tell him face to face that I like what he's doing. That's good. And I love that. But however, it's much better for you to add to that algorithm and expand our reach to other people so other people could love it too. I get a lot of people that personally, hey, I love it. I love it. I watch, I watch. If, you, if you've watched every single episode or listened to every <laughs> episode of the podcast and you have not reviewed it at all, um, it's actually hurting us like because it will help us because um, it's engagement. It's like we got people that follow us on Instagram that might not like any posts and now mm. y'all going to TikTok. What you mm. going to TikTok for? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you going to TikTok? I mean, you can stay over at Instagram to not like anything that we do. I mean, and that's just, you know, me being me um, on that soapbox of a thing. Do we do this for that? No, but we have to expand, right? Um, it's a part of the natural progression and we need you guys to help us uh, naturally progress, honestly. You know what I'm saying? And I say that myself and I isolate myself. I don't know if Damon got anything to say or Dean got anything to say, but I know that we're all in the same position where we actually need your help. You know what I'm saying? Especially the ones of you that, that love us. Um, yeah. So, you know, so it's that's- It's all about engagement, baby. All about engagement. Yeah. It's not about money right now anyway. So it's about engagement, man. Getting the word out, you know, people to listen to us and, and engage. You know what I mean? That's engage. You can drop a- message. You know what I mean? You can drop something if you don't like something. You know, it's it's so much so many, you know, things we can do to be to get better. <laughs> we love criticism. Criticize us. Talk about us. We just talk about it. You yeah. know, um and that's what that's what we do, man. That's what we love to do anyway. So, yeah, man. Yeah, I always feel weird like it's like begging, but honestly like we stay stagnant without engagement. Yeah. Like it's it's like the bubble does not burst without you, you, whoever you are right now, you doing something, sharing it, liking it, mm -hmm. reposting it, do something, right? With that said, Dean, I want to talk real quick yeah. about de developing while not monetizing. So like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking at podcasts, like we got to grow, like uh, yeah. permission to speak freely. It has to look different every four months. Like it can't, we can't look like we were where we were last year, this year, right. as we picking up subscribers and listeners and shit like that. But we just spend money. We, we, we don't generate money, right? Tell me about it, bro. So, yeah, so, you know, so as a podcaster, right, I just, you know, I know you sharing that struggle. So yeah. I did want to kind of talk to you about that for, for one second. Like, yeah. how is it knowing that, hey, I have to improve without a fucking budget? <laughs> yeah, dude, I think it's, um, it's something that I, that I have wrangled with over time. You know, and one of the things that occurred to me fairly recently, and I, this didn't occur to me when I started the podcast, right? Like when I started the podcast, I probably had some dream of monetizing at some point. And I did. Certainly I did. I was like, oh man, this is going to be huge. Everybody's going to want to hear what the fuck I got to say. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you get into it and you're like, oh boy, like this is an uphill fucking battle, right? Like I got to break into that algorithm like you're talking about. And it's hard, man. Right. And, and so then recently as kind of, I've expanded my view of, of what my end state is, the way I look at the podcast is if I never make a dime off the podcast, I'm okay with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the podcast is the medium by which I'm able to network. Mm -hmm. The podcast is a vehicle for the things that I'm planning in the future that are much bigger than a podcast. You understand what I'm saying? And yeah. so 
I look at the podcast as an investment. Okay. And so if I get sponsors at some point, any money that I get from a sponsor and I, you know, prize crew sponsors me, let's be real about it. That's my boys, fucking senior chief. You know what I'm saying? Sends me free coffee. Yeah. That's my fucking sponsorship, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. But if I get sponsors like legitimately that are willing to, you know, um, you know, help with audio video equipment or, you know, throw me some money on the side or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. for the podcast specifically, that will always be reinvested into the podcast. I'm not trying to make money off this thing. This is just mm-hmm. my ability to um, put myself out there, let people know who I am, to create a brand for myself, right? Um, and so that's the way I look at the podcast. I do want to take one step back, though, about something you said, right? What, you know, when we're talking about like, share, comments, engagement, okay? So yeah. we shit on um, we shit on fucking Geo, right? Steve Giordano a lot. Obviously, he got fired. Okay. And and so like that was embarrassing for us as a Chiefs mess. But a lot of people forget. So every Mick Pond kind of has like their thing, right? Like their thing that they say, you know what I mean? Whether it's, you know, um, I don't know, it's like a catchphrase or some shit, right? What he always closed his emails with was be authentic, be competent, be courageous. Fuck him. If he'd have just done that, it would have been great, right? But the one I want to key on is authenticity. Okay. We are all still on active duty. And the mess gets shit on a lot, like we talked about previously. We are being our authentic selves in this conversation. We're having a real conversation, right? Yeah. Two of my brothers in the mess, right? From similar yet different backgrounds, Philly, Mississippi, Louisiana. We're having a real authentic conversation. These conversations need to permeate the force. Because the the big problem with sailors shitting on the cheese mess is lack of trust. Lack of trust comes from lack of authenticity or not knowing that person. Not knowing that they are a real fucking person, right? These type of things allow us. We're not going to go out to the club and drink with our fucking sailors, right? It's against good order and discipline. We shouldn't. We shouldn't do that. And even yeah. at like command functions, like, you know, you're still the responsible fucking adult in the room, right? You can have some real conversations one-on-one, but you're not going to have these type of conversations, right? Over a long form. If I get some E5 that is like really kind of, I don't know, down on the mess or down on leadership, and then they listen to this podcast like, oh, like, I wonder if there's more people like this. Yeah, most of us are just like this, right? So that engagement is good for us. But it's good for the, the listeners. The more they share it, the more engagement that happens, the more our credibility as leaders in this organization increases, right? And so um, that's, that's my hope, right? Number one, the podcast for me is a labor of love. It's, it's a vehicle for, for you know, my future plans. But number two, man, like for the people listening, like share this shit. So that your friends, your coworkers, your shipmates hear that we're not a bunch of people sitting around talking about how to fuck sailors over. Yeah. Right? So. Hey. Yeah, man. What's your favorite military movie, man? Me? Shit. Uh, I'll tell you, man. So if you were to ask me favorite movie, that's an easy one. Fight Club. 
hands down, 100%. I watch it about once a quarter. Fight Club is my number one favorite movie all time. I'm being yeah. 100% real. I got a little bit of a man crush on Brad Pitt. That's a fucking sexy motherfucker, right? Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> it is what it is. Motherfucker's <laughs> handsome, all right? Uh, but probably favorite military movie of all time. I don't know, man. I like, of course, I, I love Saving Private Ryan. I've watched it a, a, a bunch of fucking times. Um, you know, the thing is that I don't get real like liquored up on military movies. Because I, yeah. I have a hard time hitting the, the, you know, the believe button with actors and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 how about this? Uh, Torah, Torah, Torah. Right. So Torah, okay. Torah, Torah, old Pearl Harbor movie that is actually very historically mm-hmm. accurate. And yeah, it's an old movie. So, you know, it's, it's a little wonky. Right. But I like I actually sat and watched that with my kids and they enjoyed it. Right. Because it still stood the test of time. And, um, and the, you know, the Japanese, uh, flavor to it is really, uh, interesting to me. Also Clint Eastwood, he did a while back. It must've been at least 10 years. He did, um, a set, right. And it was, he made two movies simultaneously. One of them was flags of our fathers. The other one was letters from Iwo Jima. And they were both perspectives of the battle that happened at Iwo Jima from the Japanese side. And it had like Ken Watanabe and then from uh, the American side. And I, I just think that's super fascinating, man, to, to kind of get into the yeah, mind of the Japanese at the time, you know? Yeah, that was dope. That was dope. You got a book, a book recommendation? Uh, yeah, I do. What I'm reading right now, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a Navy book or a military book, but what I'm reading right now is The Tipping Point. And it's by uh-huh. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm. And Dude, man, it is fascinating. He talks about there's like three different kinds of people in society. So you've got connectors, you've got mavens, and then you've got salesmen, right? And that like, and then he kind of breaks it down, like how they influence society and how they get trends started. And especially as like a podcaster and somebody that's trying to grow my personal brand, like the way he breaks it down is really kind of fascinating, man. Like, and it's an easy read. Like it's it's not like I don't know um, super high level of you know grammar or whatever. Like it's it's an easy read and um, and it's like real real fascinating man. The Tipping Point by by Malcolm Gladwell. Before we get out of here, um, where can they find you, man? Where can they find you? The podcast, everything. Yeah, man, I am kind of everywhere. So podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google. YouTube, I only do shorts now. I don't put the whole episode on on YouTube. I found that there wasn't a whole lot of value in it, honestly, for the yeah. the time that it takes to upload it and blah blah blah. Like those views are artificial, you know. Like people will tune into a, a, a an episode on YouTube and they might watch a few minutes, they might skip through it, and then and then unless you have like YouTube Premium, once you close your phone, it's it's done, right? So Spotify yeah. now allows you to upload the full video. And so I, I, I put all of my video on Spotify. I don't like, and then I'll just put clips and shorts on, on YouTube. So if you want to, if you want to watch the podcast, just go to Spotify, you can watch it. And then if you close your phone and you're going to go for a walk, you got to drive, whatever, like no interruption, the audio will continue to play even if the video is not. So, um, yeah. yeah, Spotify is probably the best place for the podcast. Again, a lot of people still like Apple podcasts. And of course it's available there as well. 
Uh, as far as you know, social media, I'm on Instagram, Rising Sun at Rising Sun Podcast, Facebook, The Rising Sun with Dean Howell. Again, that's S O N, not S U N. S O N, The Rising Sun. I'm on Substack, The, the Rising Sun with Dean Howell. Twitter, uh, it's my old handle, which is Steaming C Daddy, all one word. Um, yeah. I've had that for a long time. It's a reference to my uh, drunker <laughs> days. Uh, so Steaming C Daddy on Twitter. And what am I missing? I am on TikTok, man. But honestly, all I do is like put my shorts <laughs> there, right? Like I don't fuck with TikTok. Yeah. I just put my shorts there for eyes only. And, um, and yeah, man, uh, you, I mean, I'm easy to find. But honestly, if you Google me, my bio picture will come up. So I'm not hard to find. Yeah. Okay, guys. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate any likes, follows, shares. Obviously, same thing that we were talking about earlier. Uh, the algorithm uh, encourages engagement. And uh, plus, man, I just like to fucking talk to people, man. So if there's any questions you have, any comments you have about how we can do things better on the podcast or otherwise, if you are interested in you know talking in a long form, let me know. Uh, I'm happy to do that, man. So I'm just having a good time. Again, easy to find, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. Hey, honestly, I got like twelve more questions in my phone, but I'm I'm a, I'm a table them. Yeah, um, I, I know I, I know we're gonna you know talk more. Yeah, we're running back. Um, so I'm a table those questions, and it's a whole different like set of questions. So it's dope. Like the questions I got, they were super dope. Uh, we probably would have shook. We probably would have shook the damn um, yeah. <laughs> shook shook the table on <laughs> on some of these things. But um, you know, I, I'll hold off on those. But you you got any questions for us? Anything? Yeah, man. So I think that my number one question is both of y'all are engineers, right? Yeah. yeah. So Damon's a DC Dumbo. What's, what's, what's your rating, man? Electricians, mate. EM, that's what I thought. Okay. So as an engineer in the Navy, right? And I, I'm going Navy, right? Like as an engineer in the Navy, do you feel like um, do you feel like you guys should prorate a little more money? Because let's be real about it. Anybody that says that y'all don't have the hardest job in the Navy is fucking full of shit, right? Let's just, I mean, like from the watches you stand to the jobs that you do, like I'm of the opinion that our pay scale is all fucked up, like all fucked up. It's archaic. The enlisted officer structure, just because somebody has a degree in basket weaving, like why does he get paid more than an electronics technician that has a real skill set? Uh, so as engineers specifically, like, um, do you feel like that, that the pay scale is, is not accommodating to what it is that you actually fucking do for the Navy? Damn, man. I think Damon gonna answer first, question. but I was like, that's a good ass. Like, I ain't I wasn't expecting a good ass fucking question like that. I was just thinking like you was gonna say something like, hey, when y'all first started your pod, what was like the first robe? Like, that's a really good question. Um it's 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 late over here in the US where I'm at. Um hey Damon, uh go first, man. I guess uh, I'm gonna go next. um man, that's a good man, that's a that's a great question. But uh, I'm gonna say, man, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you some a real First off, I'm gonna say no to it because, because, like you said, we do put in hours, we do put in a lot of work. And not saying nobody else is, but I know what we do. But at the same time, I'm gonna also say this: um, 
I know I'm in the Navy. <laughs> so I know if I'm getting on a different pay scale than everybody else, I know what kind of problem that can cause too. Um, but in, as a whole in the Navy, I don't, I think it's the pay scale is a problem. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily our job as engineering. I just think the whole pay scale, um, as a whole, because if you translate our job to the civilian sector, it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big difference, a big gap, yep. um, in that. So that's kind of my take on it, but not in a way saying engineers should be getting mm-hmm. paid more. No, I think the whole freaking entire Navy should be getting paid Facts. more. Yeah. Or military, yeah. Well, the Air Force, they make enough, bro. Let's be real. Politician, man. Hey, I think David is <laughs> well, a yes. politician, dog. I swear. Look, I think, I, I think, like, I'm half and half about it, right? I think we should get paid based off our uh, skill sets, right? And, I, and that ain't just engineers. That's ITs. That's anybody that could, like, leave and have competitive pay out in town. Maybe, you know, different people get paid different money or whatever like that. Like you said, like everybody don't get paid the same amount. Now it's other things you got to think about when it comes to rates, when it comes to like all types of shit like that. But the reason why I say half and half, because where I do think it's fair, I honestly think being an EM for me has been like a cheat code, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't talk about these type of things that much or, or talk like this that much. But if you, if you're an engineer, like, uh, like, not in the spaces like a DC man, an engine man, or electrician's mate, MM or whatever like that. If you're if you're good, like like what the what's the saying like worth your salt or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you good, it's a cheat code, mm-hmm. man. Like everything that you have to do in the Navy, um, uh, like a first tour, like E one through like E five. As an EM, you could do. As an EM, I was able to do it. Like if like naturally. Like when like people got to fight for like FaceTime or whatever. As an EM, naturally, you in the captain stateroom, you doing maintenance on his lighting, his equipment, CMC the same, EXO the same. Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, you all over the ship. Like it's a part of your job to go all around the ship. And then let's say you get some command involvement in there too. Like so, so me personally, I think the levies are kind of uh, even there because it, it's been honestly, it's been a cheat code, man. Yeah. And then it's like. A lot of engineers don't take advantage of like shit outside of engineering. Like right. that's like a kind of like a known a known thing, whether it be the duty side. So when you're engineering, you start stepping outside of the department and doing things like that, man, you almost start running laps around like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, damn, he an engineer in the space, working hard as hell, gotta do this, do this, do this, first person in, last person off, and still uh, is involved with FCPOA, helping junior sellers or whatever like that. So I think that's kind of where it, it is even. But I do agree, like like Damon said, and like you said, Dean, like we should recalibrate the whole pay pay system, even with like CMCs. Like I think y'all mm-hmm. should make, we, we talked about it on a pod, like one yeah. episode. Like y'all should make like, like way more money. Like it shouldn't be too many people on the ship yeah. making more money, you know, than the CMC. Yeah. I don't know how junior of an officer makes more money than the CMC, but I think yeah. somewhere it's like a, somewhere outside of COXO or whatever, it's a bunch of junior officers that could potentially be making more money than the CMC or whatever. Like yeah, that, right? I wrote a whole Am paper on this for a uh, senior enlisted academy, yeah. actually. Um, and what my, you know, thesis or idea was that <clears throat> you look at like an O3 department head, right? That motherfucker's making like $100,000 like department head bonus. Like that's real yeah. talk, bro. Like 
somewhere between sixty and a hundred thousand dollars to be a yeah. department head. Yeah. Okay. And like that dude's got to do some real fucked up shit to get DFC, right? And his level yeah. of responsibility is not commensurate with the XO or the CO or the command master chief, right? And so uh my proposition wasn't trust me, it fell on deaf fucking ears was that uh, <laughs> that if you enter the command senior chief, well, command master chief program, right? If you enter the command master chief program that you get a CMC bonus, let's call it $30,000, right? Whatever. And, but you don't, uh, you don't accrue it until the end of a successful first tour. Once you have a successful first tour, then you get your bonus, right? Bro, I told that to Russ Smith. He looked at me like I had a fucking dick growing out of my forehead. He was like, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, well, hey, so that that brings me to like a question for you. Should y'all get ranked against each other depending on like your uh, class? So like should like every DDG CMC be ranked against? Because I'm I'm hearing rumors. I don't know how yeah. deep I could get into like rumors yeah. about the way CMC evals are going to go mm-hmm. in the future mm-hmm. and just being outside of the pool of the rest of the Master yeah. Chiefs and maybe only getting one eval at the end of your tour yeah. or whatever like that. It's some things I've been mm-hmm. hearing. But should y'all compete against like each other? Or is that like is too much to kind of... Well, a little, a little inside baseball. So uh, this isn't like well known, but um, there's already a system for that, essentially. So... COs are required to uh, complete performance appraisals for their CMCs that they pass to the ISIC. And then the ISIC is ranking their CMCs on a periodic basis outside of the eval system. And that kind of ranking um, is used to determine what your next job is going to be, right? And there are certain people Mm -hmm. that have been identified early in their career that the Navy, the leadership mess, Navy talent management system. Um, maybe they're like a second tour CMC and they've kind of been identified as a person that has the legs and the desire and uh, the pedigree to be like a force or, or a fleet or maybe even make pond something. Right. So um, we, we do a lot of that already. Uh, there's nothing more pointless than a, than a command master chief evaluation. Put it that way. They're all 5.0. They're all 5.0 and you're the fucking baddest motherfucker on the planet. Right. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Why am I doing a fucking email? You know what I mean? So um there there there's some kind of like behind the scenes stuff that happens, but I think that the Navy is looking to formalize that, which I think makes a lot of sense, man. I really do. It makes it more transparent. Yeah. yeah, damn. Hey, that just that just opened me up to another 20 minute potential yeah. conversation. So look, this is what I'm gonna do. Hey Dean, man, this was fun, man. It was good, it was amazing. I learned some shit. Um it's always a good thing when I learn uh, when I learn some shit on the pod for me. Um, hopefully the listeners learn some shit. If they still here at two and a half, they just learned that most likely. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I can't wait to uh, do your pod. Please invite me alone. I don't want Damon yeah. there. I don't want oh, nobody no. there. Invite me alone. <laughs> man. I'm team, bro. Team, bro. Like, if we, team, bro. We still a team, but we ain't got to be together. There's <laughs> too many people talking. Just me. Invite me. Nah, it's whatever. However you want to yeah. do it. I just can't wait till we could come up there. However you want to do yeah. it. Um, Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Nah, man. Thank you. Guys. Yeah, same here too, man. I, I I can't wait to come up there, but I'm most definitely going to hit you up too, man. When I come out there, maybe we can do something out there too. Who knows, yeah. man? We'll we'll put something mm. together, man. You know, Dumbo ain't no going to come to Japan. Mm. So maybe we'll link up, man, and, 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 and do some stuff, yeah, man. man. Most definitely. But hey, thanks, man. Big deal. Um, 
you a big deal, man. I'm going to keep following you too, man. I'm going to listen to your shit, man, and, and, and good stuff. Keep keep pushing, bro. Yeah, how you going to tell me I ain't never going to go to Japan <laughs> when the only reason you go on is with your command? <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason I come back to the States, man. <laughs> right? right. So, I get it. Hey, man, just let me say this. So what you guys are doing is um, you don't you probably don't see yourself this way, but this is the way I see you, and I see you as trailblazers, okay? And I think that that history will look back on the Permission to Speak Freely podcast as a first step in something that the Navy should have been doing a long time ago. I see you guys 100% as trailblazers, as being you know, willing to put yourselves out there and, and not afraid of the feedback. And I think that it's not for everybody. That's for sure. It's not for everybody, man. Not everybody needs to put a microphone in front of their face, right? But the way you guys are doing it is just fucking fantastic. I'm so proud of you guys. I look up to you a lot uh, from the very beginning of this thing about, you know, just having the courage to fucking do something like this, right? So um, do not fucking stop. Do not fucking stop. Even though it gets hard and you're going to get pushed back and motherfuckers are going to talk shit, like, fuck them. You got to keep going because I look at you guys as like you are true fucking trailblazers in our time right now, man. Damn. Thanks, Dean. Hey, thanks, bro. Appreciate Big, it, man. That's real talk. That's how we end. I know you clipped it. I don't give a fuck. Like, that's real talk, bro. Okay. Yeah. Clip it. Clip it.